<laughs> what's happening, weirdos? Shane Moss is what's happening. Host of the Here We Are podcast with Ramin Nazer, who I also love. I highly recommend you guys check that one out. Here is Shane for his fifth, five, one, two, three, four, five, uh, his fifth appearance on the podcast, which is, you know, only partially indicative of how much I love talking to Shane Moss. And this is no exception. He filled my mind with scientific studies, psychedelic revelations, of course, but also just like a good, funny, easy, lovely chat with this bright, beautiful baby boy, Shane Moss. I'm really excited for you guys to hear it. He's like our Steve Martin or our Alec Baldwin in the sense that those are the most hosted SNL people. He, this is the most weirded, you made it weird person. Um, if you guys, was that necessary, Pete? Was it unnecessary? Did we like it? Some of you did. Some of you didn't. Uh-oh. It was boring. I have a Living at Largo, which is my stand-up show on October 7th. Uh, that's always, always, always amazing. And it's the only touring I'm doing. So if you want to see me do stand up in the LA area, go to Largo-LA.com. Also, we're doing another live You Made It Weird, me and Sweet, Sweet, Sweet Lady Val on October 18th, also at Largo. These are the only live dates I'm doing. October 7th, stand up. October 18th, uh, live You Made It Weird, Largo-LA.com for tickets. Hope to see you guys there. Always so fun to be out together again. And if you like this podcast, uh, why not try uh, one of the Pete's Picks and show your support? As you know, I only uh, do ads for things that I actually love and believe in, like Talkspace. I am a huge, huge believer in talk therapy, and Talkspace is the easiest, most convenient way to get yourself in front of a trained professional to get some therapy into your life. Therapy has changed my life. Therapy helped me out of a particularly bad breakup and into the healthiest, happiest time of my life. It was a huge, huge help. And meeting, I actually have a family uh, from Boston, I don't know why I'm pointing that out, that thought they're going to therapy was a stigma. Guys, it is not. It is not embarrassing to go to a therapist. It is the same thing to work on your mental health. It's just as helpful as hiring a personal trainer to work on your physical health. And the positive impact can be just as life-changing. And Talkspace makes it possible to speak with a licensed therapist right from your phone, tablet, or computer. And unlike traditional therapy, you can message your therapist anytime via text, video, or voice. It's 100% secure and should be and is stigma-free the way therapy should be. I love that Talkspace makes it easy to connect with a therapist privately and lets you message them whenever you need to. It's all the benefits of therapy without the hassle of setting appointments or, in my case, driving an hour and a half to Santa Monica, which I used to because that's how important it was to me. But Talkspace, you don't have to commute to these people. You can meet them in the convenience of, the, of your home, in the convenience of your device. You don't have to wait a week or more between conversations. It's up to you. And if you've wondered about therapy but you aren't sure where to start, you need to check out Talkspace. At Talkspace, your privacy and security are their number one priority. The app puts you in a private room with just you and your therapist. As I said, you can send messages 24-7 and get replies throughout the day. You don't have to wait for that weekly appointment. And their encryption and added security feature keep your conversation fully 
protected. So join Talkspace today and start moving forward with a single message. Go to Talkspace.com and get $100 off your first month when you use promo code WEIRD at sign up and show your support of this show. That's $100 off at Talkspace.com, promo code WEIRD. So happy to be working with Talkspace and I hope you guys enjoy. My, my, my voice failed me on enjoy. Enjoy. Also, technology. You into it? Music. You like it? How about earbuds? You wearing them? Let me ask, are they comfortable? Are they great? Maybe not. <laughs> technology is so, so, so essential. Me personally, I'm swapping from my desktop computer to my phone to my tablet. I'm using earbuds on the treadmill. I, I am relying on tech for almost every step of my life. And we rely so much on hardware, it's easy to forget about the hardware you're born with. Your ears same as your fingerprints, no two ears are exactly alike. So why should we just be putting in these standard, one-size-fits-all, not-true-nonsense earbuds into our ears? Your earbuds probably cause you some discomfort or even physical pain after a while. Well, enter Ultimate Ear Fits, true wireless, custom-fit earbuds from Ultimate Ears. They are here to change that. And you heard that right, custom-fit. These earbuds mold to your ears, to your ear holes, perfectly and customly to make the most comfortable, perfect, custom fit earbuds you could possibly have. You put them in, you hook it up to the app, they glow like blue, and you feel them warm up and spread, sort of like uh, when you roll up an ear plug and put it in your ear. You feel the spreading from the heat. Uh, you don't have to go into a custom uh, doctor to have them mold your ear. This is happening out of the box, filling your ear, so they are one of a kind made for your ears. I love them. I love how they fit. I love how they sound, especially because they they fit so well. It helps the music sound even better. And I use them, as I said, on the treadmill, which is amazing. Ultimate Ears Fits are the world's most comfortable premium earbuds. Premium sound, all-day comfort. You get a guaranteed fit in 60 seconds. Ultimate Ears Fits will stay put when you're on the go, but feel ultra-comfortable so you can wear them all day long without pain or discomfort. They are the most comfortable best sounding earbuds I've ever owned. And if you're listening to this podcast, chances are you listen to your device a lot. So get more comfort, get better sound. And for a limited time, get 15% off your pair of Ultimate Ears Fits true wireless earbuds at ue.com slash fits. Just use promo code weird at checkout. That's 15% off with promo code weird at ue.com slash fits and show your support of this podcast. Last but not least, man, it's hot. And have you looked in the mirror recently? Like, really looked? That beard you grew over the last year was a hot new thing for you. For a minute, anyway. But it's now really hot outside, and you need to tame that bad boy. And Harry's can help. If you don't know Harry's, it's time you do. Harry's was created to be different from other shaving companies. Harry's crafts high-quality, long-lasting blades and durable weighted handles that make a close, comfortable shave quick and, dare we say, enjoyable? 
I would say so. I love the ritual of shaving, and I love the weighted blade, and I love a good sharp blade that glides easy across your face. And because Harry's insists that you shouldn't have to choose between a great shave and a fair price, they just give you both. Refill blades start as low as two bucks. Two bucks. Easy decision. Even easier, New Harry's customers get their starter set, which includes a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel with aloe, and a travel cover. That's a $13 value for just 3 bucks. Plus, Harry's offers a whole range of amazing face and body care products for men, all delivered right to your door. I hate old razors, but I hate even more going to the store and having to ask them to unlock the jewelry case where they keep them and then overpay I want good blades, but I hate going to get them. And Harry's mails them to you, and Harry's doesn't overcharge you. They are sharp, sharp, sharp. They are better than the overpriced ones you get at the store. And make that into, just like I said, the perfect shaving ritual that I look forward to. Uh, I don't shave every day, every couple days. I'm Lithuanian. What can you do? There's never been a better time to try Harry's. Go to harrys.com slash weird to get their starter set for just three bucks. It's a 100% satisfaction guarantee, so you've got nothing to lose. Go to harrys.com slash weird right now to get this special offer. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S dot com slash weird and show your support of this show. All right, guys, hope to see you at Largo on October 7th for stand-up and October 18th for a live You Made It Weird. Always love to have weirdos out for both of those. Hope to see you. In the meantime, enjoy a landmark You Made It Weird, the first time we've had a fifth repeat guest, the incredible Shane Moss. Get into it. Lately on the pod, I've been noticing that people just don't know how to sit on this couch. You've done it. Am I sitting correctly? Yeah, no, I just mean correctly is comfortably. Oh, yeah. And then sometimes people go too comfortably. Oh, And I won't say who it was, but there was somebody that was like almost like not falling asleep, (laughs) but it it was very, very melty, ooey gooey oven baked goodness. And I was like, I'm over here. I'm always at risk of being a hair too comfortable. Yeah, me too. Um, I just went to the doctor and they're like, your pulse is <laughs> almost not there. I didn't know that. You're forgetting. Yeah, to, you're forgetting to beat. To beat. You need to beat more. <laughs> and I was, what, is that, do you think you're the same way you were saying? I, I think so. And I'm like 110 over 80, just perfect. 110 over 80? I Something never know like what that. those mean. Me either. Is that mean I, low? I think it's really good. Like low? It's like a hair toward the low, low side, but I keep but saying like low. Good. Yeah. I'm a podcast host because I'll just keep saying low. <laughs> just you know, nudging my guests towards that sweet, sweet reveal, the clickbait. Shameless says low, 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 low. Wow, I'm into that. Just, just spreading rumors about my blood pressure. I just, well, I when she said mine was low, I wanted to be like, yeah, I'm like a cool guy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had a bit about how quiet is cool, and it's similar to low blood pressure is cool. Quiet is cool. Think about Denzel Washington. He's okay. always like, is that you? Is that you? Uh-huh. Uh, you got a beard? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to appropriate a voice. I'm just trying to show a cool yeah, voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, let me think of a white guy. Uh, who's a cool white guy? There aren't any. Well, it's if you're white and you're quiet, you're kind of socially awkward, right? You're, yes. That's autism. 
There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but then, like, loud is like I, I've said this. You've probably heard me say this before, Katie. It's like gives away your position. It's like a primal thing. Yeah. Like the good alpha in a pack is like, all right, guys, we're gonna get the food. It's over there, and the nerd. Who's bad? Who you want to kick out of the group? This yeah. is right up your alley. This is Shane Alley right yeah, now. It's yeah. like, what's up, you guys? <laughs> is there cake in this party? Like that's not yeah. cool. And what is cool if not like ready to hunt, ready to mate, yeah. and not giving away your position to wolves? Oh, that's yeah. That's that's tough to. I feel like I'm a. Science. I feel like I'm a corner dweller. I'm just like trying to put because everything. Everything is so context dependent, you know, like everyone's has uh, uh, our our kind of status recognition um, sub self is is always changing. You know, you you work some job where you might be you might have an entry level position and you're at the lower rung in the totem pole. But then you go and uh, you're in the company softball league or whatever and you're the home run hitter or whatever so your your status is constantly changing no matter you're in the mail that's a fascinating dynamic see these are good to remember when like telling stories yeah because i notice like on good shows like the crown and stuff they pick up on those micro uh negotiations of status yeah like you might be like a turd in the office but then like Right. One of the ways is like sexual prowess. Like we you, at, the, at the office Christmas party, they were with such a babe or something. And you're <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. It's all again. I must just be thinking this way because you're here. But it's all just like, who knew his genes were going to replicate with such other amazing genes? I guess he does deserve our respect. And, uh, or yeah. he gets a home run. Same thing. Yeah, yeah. You got you, you got for a human. You want to. Uh, you, you need to recognize your status in in uh, various contexts. You need to keep yourself alive. You need to avoid diseases. You yeah. need to uh, you need to have an affiliate of sub self, which is so. A lot of these things kind of are sort of fluid because you have you affiliate with coworkers and with friends and everything, but then status is getting in there a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. Then you have your mate acquisition, your mate <laughs> retention. One it's thing to vows. get a, a mate, <laughs> another one to keep one. Yeah. Oh, wow. And then uh, child rearing, you know, you have your firstborn and, and constant uh, report that like, it was like a different part of my brain came on. I'm a different person yeah, now. Yeah. And that's probably legitimately what what is absolutely happening. Though I just had a guest on um, my podcast. Here we are. I had a scientist on recently that was saying. Edit that out. Um, <laughs> Very quiet. Cool and quiet. I, I always do that. But that was the coolest and the quietest that one. That was a good one. And I really waited. I could tell that was like, a, you've used that that's before. That's a go It's so solid. Anytime. Anytime. It's so solid. It's, thank you. I, I have, so on Here We Are, your wonderful podcast. Uh, so I, I have... <laughs> um, I, I had this guest on recently talking about personality. A lot of, uh, a lot of the big five, you know, they... It, 
I don't know. It's it's becoming more public knowledge that we don't use the Myers Briggs test anymore, and everyone's the using the Big test. Five: conscientiousness, agreeableness, uh, neuroticism, which is like your how effective you are by negative moods, um, extroversion, and openness. And and I was and we were talking about how uh, we were talking about the difficulties of personality change and everyone kind of everyone wants to change something about themselves you know that's that's the popularity of self-help books and everything and i had guessed somewhat correctly that a new relationship and a new job would be catalyst for big personality change but and then and i was corrected those two but i also guessed having a kid would be a major catalyst for change and i guess the studies don't show that i guess people don't change that i mean your role changes it's still i kind of even don't even believe it or i should have asked him more More questions about it and maybe it is just that that the data isn't there yet like they could be looking for it or they didn't test for it Maybe you're just, you know, you're just the same Pete. You're just a dad Pete now. But I don't know. Just... Dad Pete, it's almost troubling the extent to which I think that's what causes a lot of crises. People have babies and then they're like, oh, God, everything's changed. It's like a like a negative way to put it, I guess, if you view death as negative, which most of us do. It would be it's like a death of your old self. Yeah. And like, I just don't care. I care about my life but not in the same way if that's not a personality change you know what i'm saying yeah like you just go like like i just did this weekend and i was like you know what i don't know i I really have to think about it like do i want to be gone for five nights or do i just want to perform for just the fans sell out one show yeah and be gone for one night and that's a real dad decision that's like back in the day you're eating nachos you're putting your wiener on the cake in the bathroom by yourself yeah yeah. uh but you're you know hey why are you bringing that cake into the bathroom (laughs) where do you eat cake (laughs) cake is a shame food I've eaten alone in the bathroom the first time I got stoned I ate alone in the bathroom because I felt like such a cliche <laughs> yeah. Really? I went in the bathroom. I was at a party. It actually happened twice. Once was with peanut butter. And I, the first time my brother wait, got me stunned, the wait. first time. How old were you? 28. And I was like, I, I hated being so cliche okay. that I had the munchies, man. <laughs> and the second time was at a party in New York. And I went in the bathroom and, and sat on the floor and ate four hot dogs. Yeah. Which was my st- standard serving as I a mean, child. I mean, being hungry. <laughs> Is like, I mean, it's more of a cliche. If you if you all of a sudden if you just like show up, if you like run to the convenience store and come back with five O Henry bars or something, <laughs> like the funniest. Why Henry would bar. you? <laughs> what did you just do? Yeah, you went to the store and got five O. Who buys an O Henry bar? <laughs> like something really odd and specific yes. that no one's eaten yes. in a decade yes. or more. Yes, that's that's a cliche. I feel like just being hungry. I don't know. I oh, feel I'm like over you can... it now. But I think there the was... first time I smoked pot, are you a big? You're not a big pot guy, are uh-uh. you? The first time I did it, I didn't want to be. I was with my brother. This is in my book, so it's not like a, a tell a, 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 a scoop. 
Mm. My brother really did start talking. Uh, that about, low blood pressure reveal. That was, though, a scoop. Was, that was the clickbait. That'll keep people listening. Oh, they're in to see where my number is. I didn't reveal my number. I won't until the end. That's a strategy to keep people hooked. Coming up next. Uh, after this, word from the undies. I, uh, my brother literally did start talking about who knows what, but it, it might as well have been dragons and, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, the, the shadow <laughs> government or something. And I was so, my parents raised me to be so like fit in and, and, and be shiny that I couldn't handle. You know what it is? It, it was embarrassing to be so susceptible to becoming like an ordinary stoner guy, like talking about conspiracy theories and eating peanut butter. I yet I didn't yet have the self-love to be like, this is just what's happening for four hours. It's okay. Yeah. I was so – I wanted to be like clean and tight. Yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? It does. I also – I just put a little thing in my pocket that I'm going to – next time someone ne- – next time I'm kind of like not relating to someone, I'm just going to be like, you might as well be talking about dragons <laughs> right now. Like that's, that's how I feel in this moment. Although – Because I like that your brother is probably just having a normal conversation with like, you, but it's dragons. your first this is, time. This is dragons to me. My first time – can I share my first time yeah, getting my story? So I did. I, I went through a period of about three years where I was absolutely obsessed with weed. Got into dealing weed. Was ripping bong. I had a six <laughs> foot bong. <laughs> so stupid. I actually I could uh, outdumb that. I used to take that six foot bong because we still lived with our parents, so we would drive around smoking weed. I and I would keep this bong hidden in a friend's dad's barn that he never used you need to put a six footer in a barn we'd get we'd get it and bring it in the car and we'd drive around like old farm roads smoking a six foot so so it's got to be someone would be in the back and then someone would be lighting it in the front seat wow and just (laughs) and i was like uh, i was also one of the only ones that could clear the six foot bong a real source of pride at you mean time. like in, I could, take it I all could in? I could take the whole. Yeah, wow. I had large lungs and a lot of practice. Wow. I was so proud of that. Wow, that's a, that's a real party trick. Let me tell you. And that's something and, that you're like, you just don't understand me, Dad. <laughs> like he wants you to be good at math. And... In fact, I remember when I stopped liking we. It was the strangest thing because I was at a party and someone went to pass a joint to me, and I was like, no thanks. And everyone turned and looked, and they're like, what? I was like, I don't feel like it right they're like you and then i just never i just didn't feel like smoking weed ever i didn't try quitting or anything it just went away i was like no thank you and then like the next day i was like huh I don't feel like weed right now. It was the strangest thing. I think I it got wasn't into because drinking of a, ne- a little more oh, okay. heavily. You were, and then and that conflicts with with weed. But the first time, it was uh, Mr. Ball's house, a sixth grade math teacher. So I went with this friend who used to go get high, and then he would go to his sixth grade math teacher's house because this is like this peculiar old guy that he just like liked messing with because he was like an old guy that was like odd he'd go and... over a teacher's house and mess with him yeah what is he dennis the menace <laughs> hey mr ball i smoked a ball and i have a slingshot it was a real dennis the menace sort of situation <laughs> and so we smoked in mr ball's driveway and oh, then ball. we went up to his back 
uh, patio, knocked on his uh, knocked on his door, and um, and I'm not high yet. I'd never been high before in my life. I'm starting to feel a little odd. Mr. Ball answers, this is a peculiar situation to yeah. be in. Yes. And so my sixth grade math teacher, um, <laughs> who was actually like an interesting part because I was I was never paid attention in school and I was like getting in a lot of trouble and they were like going to put me in special ed and then Mr. Ball was like He's really good at math. Like, put him in an advanced class instead and see if he actually, like, pays oh. it. And so then they put me in an advanced math class. And then they're like, oh, he's He was bored. bored. So Mr. And, Ball saved your life. Uh, yeah. And yeah. to repay him. <laughs> and I you TP'd the, his I, elm tree. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he menaced him. And so, you were a menace to him. <laughs> I'm up there. And he uh, and he comes out and he's like, oh, Aaron, how are you doing? And, he, and then... And I'm starting to feel a little strange, and there's already such a goofy situation. And Aaron used to have odd nicknames for everybody. And so Mr. Ball's like, oh, last time you were here, you were with the, the Scott or... Uh, and Aaron goes, oh, Skitterscom? And Mr. Ball goes, yeah, yeah, Skitterscom, Skitterscom. And as soon as this old man said Skitterscom twice, I just lost my shit. Oh, no. And, <laughs> and it was the moment I was high for the first time yes. in my life. And I'm laughing so hard. And Mr. Ball's like, I think I know what you guys are up to. And we oh, had to leave. And I laughed for four hours straight and i was like i love marijuana i love this this is the best and you know i was such a strange person too i had a peculiar sense of humor i had a small group of friends that liked me a lot but i was very shy otherwise and when i would talk people just like looked at me strange i felt that's how i felt anyway yeah. it probably wasn't as big of a deal as i was making it at the time but there was something about weed that like opened up the possibility to be we it made it socially acceptable yeah. to be obtuse and to be yeah. like abstract. You know, as a, a big Emo tap. Phillips fan yeah. and like Stephen yeah. Wright fan and and yeah. Weird Al and stuff like that and 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 so I was into things that not every like the the uh, show choir kids or whatever didn't necessarily right. like resonate with right. You know? It is like wearing a, a coned hat with stars and crescent moons on it. Like <laughs> yeah. It's just like a socially acceptable cue to be like, and not that that's socially acceptable, but it's a cue to be like, yeah. he's weird, he smokes weed. Yeah, yeah, You mean yeah. weedy Shane? Yeah, yeah. He's friends with Skitter Scum. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean, and then it, it sort of opened things up. I yeah. can't, I, I guess I understand that you started drinking more. And that was more your thing, and then you just didn't want weed anymore. Because I didn't like alcohol at first, and then I just got a fondness for it later. I didn't know that. But you were in sixth grade the first time you smoked weed? No, no, no. I was like uh, I was like 15 or 16. Oh. It was, I wasn't popular enough. I would have done whatever much earlier. But that was the only... Before that, what I did for fun was I would, I would sneak out of the house and do, you know, some like light to mid-range vandalism <laughs> really <laughs> little shane yeah. what were you like yeah, mid-range vandalizing pretty bad well i i remember actually i used to have this joke about how i remember when i was when i before weed what i would do is I, me me and my buddy we would go to the mall 
and we would like uh, yell some insult at an adult and then like run away like through the mall through a bunch of people and that's what i did for fun we would and do then... that <laughs> we had a version of that where at the public pool me and my friend Ern in unison would burst out of the pool like we were under the water yeah. and we'd go up to some kid that was younger than us and would burst out of the pool and would go this is so nerdy would go excuse me our sources indicate that you just peed in the pool. <laughs> this is so stupid. And then we'd go, don't do it again. And would say it in unison. Yeah. And then yeah. would swim away. And like, <laughs> I just remember the boredom of youth that mid to light vandalism was trying to fill. Stealing <laughs> pornography too. Oh, like yeah. Shoplifting. Yep. I also just went through a weird shoplifting phase. Yeah, and I yeah, think me it, too. it wasn't like being bad. Not that that's, I don't even know if that's really a thing. It was motivated by just like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. There was no internet. Yeah. Were, TV for us was on from like 9 to 10.30 on Saturdays. Yeah. And then the rest of the time I was going to CVS and just taking a bar of soap. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's, I mean, we like changed everything for me. Yeah, so I was like, my joke was after Reed, I was like, well... I guess I don't need to go to the mall anymore. <laughs> you know, like, so no funny. more of that. But before that, yeah, light. Uh, so I vandalism. I don't have to go to the mall anymore. I got into uh, blowing up mailboxes really? for a time. Yeah, and you know, it's a federal crime and everything. You, you mean because you're destroying mail? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, how did you do it? Uh, there's, we call them works bombs. I don't think that this particular toilet bowl cleaner exists anymore, but it was called the works and whatever the chemical properties of it were, it was uh, if you, if you took like a two liter or like a, a big slam, um, bottle, I remember you'd think the, big the slam bigger, bottle. the better you'd think a three liter bottle would, but a one a liter, big, big slam. but you'd want a one liter big slam. It'd be pretty good. And big slam. I, <laughs> big slams. I remember it went going from being preposterous to drinking one liter of soda to being completely what normal. We, do. we all walk around with our own one liter bottle of soda. That's now. right. And we slam it. That we was... would, you were doing six foot bong rips. I was slamming that... Mountain Dew big slams because it says on the bottle you're supposed to slam. <laughs> that was... And they had that wide mouth. It's not an easy pour. It's an easy slam. <laughs> slam it. <laughs> That was my party trick. In fact, you've probably heard me say this before. I would, I one time chugged a bottle of white wine oh, at a party. Oh, it was the wow. stupidest thing I've ever. Well, it wasn't that stupid. I actually kept it down. Uh, wow. I was like, I was pretty fine. I didn't go home. I kept drinking. <laughs> I was, I was a real uh, beer bong champion. Oh, I've uh, never done a beer bong. That's the funnel. Yeah, yeah, where they hold it. And then yeah, it's like, I was I've really never... good. <laughs> Uh, another <laughs> embarrassing thing. Just bong-related things. I, I took a real uh, fondness. The thing with beer bongs is I hated beer so much. You just I wanted hated to the drink taste it. of it. And I couldn't get a buzz. Because I just simply couldn't drink a beer fast enough yeah. to get a buzz. Yeah, so the buzz. And so the, the bong, bong was yeah. the solution. I'm and that way. I just got so good at it. When I was drinking, I remember me and my brother-in-law went and got a beer. And I would... I'd drink it in three quick sips. Like, mm -hmm. what is the point? That's why I had to get out. Like, yeah. I just watched other people drinking, and I'm like, 
this guy actually likes IPA? <laughs> yeah. Like, what kind of fucking lunatic is like, could lemonade have the jizz of Zeus in it and we'll it's... just blend that up and we'll drink it and call it an IPA? I'm like, just drink it and get the feeling. But no one else was drinking that way. Yeah, yeah. IPA is tongue torture. It's disgusting. Um, They're all disgusting. Guinness is disgusting. It tastes like someone melted a floppy disk yeah. and a five and a quarter. Not the 3.5 standard. Yeah. I mean the big floppy black one. Yeah, yeah. For the listeners, For the uh, listen- floppy disk is... <laughs> <laughs> it's like a USB drive, but it holds three megabytes. It's amazing. I was thinking about... Um, I was thinking the other day about um, uh, the our relationship with the... I was thinking about psychedelics and our relationship with the subconscious and... And why it feels like this alien world and stuff when you when you see these uh, uh, these what I think are internal processes um, represented in a psychedelic experience or in a dream state. And I was thinking about how magical the internet would sound to explain it to someone uh, like you know Socrates or some ancient philosopher yeah. or, or whatever, and I. It's this this network of near infinite information where it's this portal to it's like this hive mind where the, <laughs> this form of telepathy where just everyone all around the world their information you can ask it a question and get more answers than you could ever imagine just yes. infinite rabbit holes yes. that take every twist and yeah. turn and i recently and... asked my alexa if david hyde pierce was gay i just said is david hyde pierce gay and it went yes david hyde pierce is gay and i was like normally i it says like here's what i found on the web david hyde pierce has been mar-. like it wouldn't just say it but it just talked to me like my roommate Alexa, she's like reading a book, and she's like, "Yeah, he's gay," and like went back to her book. It was fucking weird. I like the idea of a, a Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure sort of situation where that hap- you get like some philosopher from the past. You do that, Alexa's like, "Yes, David Hyde Pierce is gay," and they're shocked, and they're like, "What's a David Hyde Pierce?" It's <laughs> the most unusual thing about that, but, but that's but it is. It's a network of infinite, and we and imagine it showing someone a disc like this is called AOL, and yeah. you get this. This provides ten hours of access to this alien world yeah. that can conjure up, uh, you know, images and scenes of. Right. Of unimaginable things. And And there are different internet speeds. Like ayahuasca is like a slower (laughs) version of DMT from what I understand. Yeah, right, right. So it's like this is like a dial-up and this is a ethernet and it it goes higher and higher from there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes that would suck to just, you take a... You take a microdose of mushrooms and it's like. <laughs> why didn't it just mute that? What? Why did the developers think they need to hear this? Couldn't you just put on the screen connecting? Maybe it's one of those things where it's like uh, you you turn the bug into the feature. You know, it seems impressive. Like, wow, this seems hard. Oh, it's really churning it's... now. <laughs> <laughs> <'Cause> it's... 
something's <laughs> happening. Something's afoot. It's like when you made a long distance call from a payphone. You'd hear like. You're like, wow, the future. Well, they did that with with Gmail early on would sometimes take a moment to send the email and as everything is getting faster and people have less patience, well, they have an expectation for for things to be delivered instantaneously. And in the context set against that expectation, a few seconds can seem quite long sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And so instead of the turny wheel or whatever, uh, they they would put... Do you want to unsend this? You know, oh, like you're the given option. the opportunity. Yeah. It's not a flaw. It's us giving you. Well, to that, when you buy a movie on iTunes, they send you the receipt the next day. Mm. Have you noticed that little psychological tidbit? No, because I'm not they sure about they don't want you to get the instant receipt. They don't want you to see that it was twenty dollars right away. The pain of pain. Uh, yeah, you want to enjoy the, enjoy the movie, and then the next day when the movie is just a memory, it's like mm-hmm. the bill comes at the end of the meal. Yeah. You don't want to pay always for the meal. Sometimes you know fast food you pay at the beginning. Yeah, but there's yeah. a psychology to be like, let's sit on this for twenty four hours. You, you want to hear an interesting study about tipping? Yes, there's I do. Uh, so they did a study where they so they'd have. They'd have servers just give the bill like regular, and then they say they got um, that th- they would just collect all the tips at the end of the day, and say you know they they make you know two hundred dollars in tips or what have you, um, and then another condition was they would give people a mint, and then tips went up like you know. Some thirty percent or something. Mints, like that. yeah. Brought the tipping uh, 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 up uh, like significantly. I and when have... I say twenty percent, I'm not saying like instead of someone paying twenty, they were charging, uh, they were tipping forty. I mean on the total amount at the end of the day, they, to... they about twenty percent or so. I, th- I think it might be more than that. And then, and then, if I was a server, this... if I was still a waiter at Bennigan's, I'd be running out to andysmints.com. <laughs> And just filling my right disgusting apron pocket. It with triggers reciprocity, treasures. you know. When That's someone gives you some, so there's all sorts of weird things like that. Where, like, if you, uh, I pers- by the way, as soon as you say that, I'm like, anytime they give you a free, there's certain restaurants where it's it's nothing to do with being a person on TV and stuff. It's just what they do. Yeah, they just give you this free. And when Val and I go back, we're like, let's not get dessert because we know they give you that little <laughs> thing that's kind of perfect. And yeah, that does yeah. you always tip. More, yeah, it's yeah. really good business to be yeah. like I comped your drinks because then you're like, well, fuck, now I got it. Turns out they don't even need to do that because then there's a condition where they gave two minutes and people then have moved up like forty percent or something like no. that. And then now this one blew everything out of the water. What they would do is they'd come by, they'd they'd give a mint with the with the bill. And they start walking away and be like, and then they turn around and be like, oh, you know what? Here, have a, have a second mint. <laughs> I, and this was the best one. Oh, yeah. This one was People off the chart. Like double what they normally Off the charts. Off the charts, yeah. For a mint. Uh-huh. And then there, so there's like a lot of interesting um, ways in which we, uh, they, uh, they've, they've figured out using reciprocity to uh, persuade people. So uh, another thing is, um, say, say you want someone to, 
what you do is you you ask someone for a small favor. Yeah. So you go like, "Hey, will you will you put this politician sticker in your in your window?" People are like, yeah, "You know what? What? Okay, sure. It's a it's a small sticker. I'm sna- signaling my." You know, in group, this and that, and like, yeah, what the hell? Signaling the... my in group. <laughs> How much of life is signaling your in group? Oh, it's crazy. That's not even. And, and then, but then you would think. So then they, what they found out is that if you go back, and then you ask for a bigger thing, you go, hey, would you mind sticking this sign in your yard? They're more likely to if they had already helped before. Counterintuitive, you would think. Oh no! I already put the dumb sticker in my yeah. window. Get yeah. out of here! Haven't I done enough? In fact, the people that already put the sticker in the window were like, "Well, I've helped out this much so far. Might as well go full board with." Because I'm a helper, or that's sign. is it as simple as like that's a person I help? Like, yes, just... like I'm already committed. I'm already in this relationship. Might as well follow through from right. the end or whatever's going on and right. subconsciously in people's minds. So you ask for a smaller thing first, and then you ask for the larger thing. Well, I've heard salesmen do that. Yeah, that yeah. They will ask for a glass of water or something like yeah, that. And then yeah. they'll be like, would you like a timeshare? Yeah. And you're like, I trust Speaking I of your guy. soft couch, too, this is if you, in car dealerships, if they have a harder chair, people will often drive a harder bargain. There's like embodied no. cognition of, of like <laughs> making people... Yeah, like when you're soft and relaxed, you're just a little more well, yeah, easy going. Like imagine and, going into like a like a like a sultan's, you know, tent like where you're sitting on the ground on cushions yeah. and there's beautiful music playing, you'd you'd be like, That's a fair price. That's a good price. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't yeah. need to worry about that price. That is fascinating. Because there's also there's I think we've talked about embodied cognition before of of how our we have uh uh, there's, uh, there like if you're holding if you're holding a, a warm cup, you're more likely to they do a study where they have uh, they tell people they're going into a study, they need to get this elevator, go up to the second floor where the study is, mm-hmm. and what they don't know is there's a there's an actor in the elevator holding a bunch of stuff, and they hold they hand them. Uh, like they they're need like, help. hey, uh, can you help me hold this cup so I don't spill it? I'm I'm going to the same floor or whatever. Person grabs the cup. Have, you know, they ride up. They the uh, uh, volunteer hands the cup back to the actor, uh, not really thinking anything of this transaction. Goes in, takes some survey related to some other study entirely, and then at the end they go. Uh, did you see anyone on the way in? And people will be like, yeah, I saw someone in the elevator. And then I'll be like, well, how would you describe the person? They'd give them a list of words to describe them. Um, and if they were holding a warm cup, they would describe them as being warm and friendly. If they're holding a cold cup, they describe them as being like cold and distant. Get the and, shit out of the fuck. And so there's... Well, I can't handle, Shane, how... Do you ever have this feeling... Who cares what Pete thinks? <laughs> like you asked me what I think about a movie or a meal or a person, and I just go like, I'm out. <laughs> Who cares what he thinks? Because maybe I got a text from a family member. Right. Maybe I held a warm fucking cup. Yeah. It's not actually as desperate or sad as it sounds. It's just going like, 
I'm out. Like yeah. I don't believe even in my preferences anymore. I catch I catch bullshit going on all the time where oh, I'm yeah. like, I like that guy, and then I I go. Me and uh, Chris Thayer were just talking about another comedian, and I was like, I like him, and he was like, I don't like him, and mm. we broke it down, and I was like, oh, I am higher status than than he is, so mm. he's below me, so that's comforting. I'm just talking about in the hierarchy of stand-up. Yeah. I've, I've done more stuff. So he's below me, yeah, but yeah. he acts like he's above you, and then I go, and he kisses my ass. Yeah. It's like, what is real? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. he is... This to you, and he's this to me. Like, yeah. where is reality? It's just a warm cup. Yeah. But what I find hopeful about that is you can just go like, so let's stop taking it so seriously. Yeah. Like, my favorite study is the one where they come in. I've said it a million times. Sorry, everybody. But, like, they walk down a hallway, and they make a poem out of uh, magnets, magnetic words. Uh-huh. And the people that had words like swift and fast and quick walk out of the experiment faster. Yeah, this yeah. is hot cup. This is cold cup. Yeah, I yeah. love this stuff. Yeah. So you start to see that we are part of something. We are not separate from the world. We oh, yeah. think we are. But everything is relationship, including an MC saying, are you guys ready for a good time tonight? You can do better than that. We got a great show. I used yeah. to think it was so stupid to say, Shane, I hope you're having a beautiful day. But I am reminding you of the potential of a beautiful day. Yeah. So all the people listening to this while they're bagging groceries or while they're working in a kitchen or whatever it might be and thinks it's stupid that they're not having any impact on, on humanity or reality, you're having incredible – I was at – I say that because I was at uh, Whole Foods yesterday and the guy checking me and Val out said, have the most beautiful day imaginable, no pressure. <laughs> That's what he said. And I laughed and I said, I love that. You too. And as I walked out, I felt and was reminded of the possibility. I thought about my day. Yeah. I started imagining just as you would in like a positive thinking exercise. What is the best version of me taking my daughter to play with this boy right now? Like this other little kid. Oh, I'm engaged. I'm having fun. That, that would be a beautiful day. And I'm going to go for that. Yeah. Because of that. Everything's a hot cup. Yeah. These words you're listening to, you and me and everyone listening, is the hot cup that you're listening to. One more example, and I know you already oh. get it. I watched it. I've said it a million times, but it had a profound impact on me. I spent the morning watching a, a, a YouTube clip of, of Joe Rogan's podcast. I watch clips of his show sometimes. And it was just somebody being really kind of uh, macho about a certain topic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It wasn't Joe. It was the guest. Yeah. And he was just going like, oh, you, you get out of my fucking face, dude. You crossed the fucking line, man. And I, for hours afterwards, my attitude was like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. You need to take a step back right now and reevaluate how you talk to me. Because yeah. it was modeled for me. But yeah. that that's why, not that this podcast is always nice, but like, I think it's nice to listen to things like this. I, this is why I'm always reading books of a certain vibration to get hippie. Yeah. Because if I do, I have a better day. This is what meditation is. It's trying to set the palette in positive colors or, or yeah. open colors or spacious colors. Shameless. Uh, I, I have a... Uh... It, you I, better watch how you respond <laughs> to me right now, dude. I love you. Come into my yard and you tell me I can't burn leaves. I've always loved Macho guy so much. It's oh the my funniest god! It's the funniest guy. Me and Dan Van Kirk were laughing that tough guys are always just telling you what you did. Uh, yeah. You yeah. shit on my couch. You shit on my couch holding a microphone. It's like you're still processing yeah. me shitting on your couch. 
<laughs> and then you go ahead and tell me what I'm doing while I'm telling you what you're doing. Just so they can declare that it's not acceptable. I thought of a here as you were saying that that was that was a beautiful uh, little uh, uh, rant that you went on. It was it, it was think, fueled by everything you said. It was great stuff. No, it was. It made me think of. I was thinking about this on the way here. I noticed I have this peculiar. Someone asked me recently if I have any rituals, and I'm like, huh. I don't think so, and I like recognize the importance of like forming good patterns and uh, you know rewarding positive behavior in yourself. Blah blah blah. And I realize I do. I have this odd thing that I do, which is uh, so you know I can be like kind of cynical and uh, and a skeptical person. I have this one I this like one thing that discerning. I do. I'm discerning. You're discerning. Uh, you I, tell the DMT god, you're not God. That's like yeah. my go-to. Yeah. Shane's crazy, man. He'll go into the DMT verse, talk to the infinite void, and be like, you're in my brain. Uh, not buying it. Yeah. I don't buy it, dude. And it's like, how about 70,000 songbirds flying into your left nostril? And you're like, typical way of avoiding the subject, God. You put it in quotes. No fear. You're at the whim of something that can be like, here's a chocolate syrup enema. And you're like, fine, but nothing has been revealed about you. <laughs> Save it for the deadheads, man. So this is, I, I, I hope when I share this, one or two listeners will take this away and have this be a thing that they integrate into their life. Can't it's, wait. it's strange. When I sneeze, mm. every time I sneeze, that's a reset. It's a new Shane. The Shane before that sneeze <laughs> does not exist anymore. There is no longer that Shane. <laughs> this this just... is a new Shane. Yeah, have I been built by my past? Yes, but it doesn't define who I am. I wow. have a new opportunity. What a great a thing new... to do with a sneeze. Because sneezes are fun, unless they get messy, you yeah. know, it can be embarrassing. You're in a social Every situation. Every once in a while, there's a cobweb sneeze. <laughs> You're like, oh, God. <laughs> What am I, Spider-Man? Excuse me. Excuse me. You're always hiding your face. You're running away from Oh, my God. One out of 150 sneezes is like, you're going home. But usually they're pretty benign. Oh, I sneezed a shit ton this morning, and I loved every single one of them. And usually they're quite fun. Yep. They're jarring. Yeah. They're silly. Yeah. And it's just such a great opportunity to be like, huh. Yeah. Okay. I'm reborn. All right. I can do this. I... Love that. And what a great thing to do with a sneeze. Yeah. I this morning was just you know what's one of the one of the problems uh not it's not a problem. One of the things that can build up when you have a kid is you're like, I have no time to do what I have to do. Yeah. And when when you're like us, oh, comedian, you only really need three hours, four mm. hours. It's a very privileged life. But even after you have a kid, Whatever, there must be a scientific law for this. If you were normally working 10 hours and then you have a kid, maybe now you're working six hours. Like you just lose some of those hours, especially mm -hmm. if you're working from home. But if you were only working four hours, sometimes it goes down to zero hours. Mm -hmm. Like you just don't have any time. And that's fine. Here's the real rub of that is that's fine for one day. 
It's even fine for two days, usually. Some of these emails are piling up. But then the third day, you just get used to writing like, hey, sorry for the delay, baby, this, that, blah, 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 blah. But then like, what happens with me is one day, like this morning, I'll just wake up and I'm like, Dane Cook I has this wonderful bit where he wakes up when he's like, you ever wake up late? And you go, I don't even have time for an English muffin. <laughs> and for some reason, that line really stuck with me. I love saying I don't have time. And this morning, I had no time for an English muffin. Yeah. And all I had to do was have a couple hours and I just couldn't get it. And it mm. fucked me. And then I sat down to meditate. I only had 15 minutes before you guys got here. I sat down to meditate. And the point of it was, what what's really going on right now? It was a sneeze. Mm. It was like, stop. You will have the time. I mm. promise you will have the time. We'll make the time. What's wrong right now and the brain we talk about this all the time val and i especially the brain kind of likes being upset it likes defining itself even in negative terms and like what i'm getting from your sneeze story is Mm -hmm. sometimes sitting down and just going like stop this is just 10 minutes to just relax and it made all the difference it was such a great moment but yeah. I love it that you're doing it in 0.5 seconds every time you sneeze. <laughs> because dropping also, everything is always on the table. It's always on the table. There's all, It's also random. So it's not something that I have to plan or hold myself to. And yeah. it's just a surprise party. Yeah. It's just a surprise reset every yeah. time. So there's like these in fact, intermittent kind of rewards. It's trying to be like a sneeze. Yeah. There's like confetti sometimes. There's a big announcement. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. very sneezy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but a lot of times it's like, hey, what's all this pepper doing here? Is there is someone is someone planning a sneeze for me? Hilarious and wonderful. That is so good. Whenever my ears ring, would, oh, go ahead. That would be a fun thing to do as a host if this takes off and and, it, and like you know, like one of your friends really enjoys sneezing. Yeah, just <laughs> you just. Put you pepper just, everywhere. You know, yeah, you just like spritz them a little bit with pepper some spray? sneezing powder or something <laughs> like that. With a, I got that for you. <laughs> Poor Val has uh, allergies. She has allergies and she hates sneezing. It's uh, not a treat yeah. if you do it every single I just moment. started developing allergies a little bit this year. Think a little too much quarantine, a particularly bad allergy year. Yeah. And, uh, well, it's funny that you mentioned disease because somebody just told me about the book. Is it called Guns, Livestock, and Money? Or Guns, something? Germs, and Steel? Guns, Germs, and Steel. Have you read it? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. They really blew my mind about how, like, you don't want to not have disease, you want to have disease and then adapt. To, like, survive it? Again, I'm paraphrasing. Yes. Well, I mean, we're in a very tricky situation because you don't want you, – you, you, you don't want to – we we live in an overly sterilized world at the exact same time that we live in a world abundant with evasive species and things that we have not evolved for. So so you have two conflicting things. One, one is you have this, this idea of this hygiene hypothesis, which is that our ancestors could never avoid diseases fully. We built these, we evolved these heuristics to maybe kind of stay away from people that like looked a little paler than 
unusual or mm-hmm. were, uh, you know, bleeding from their eyes or whatever. <laughs> you know, there's a few people that were like, I'm going to lick that blood coming out of your eyes. And they didn't leave a lot of descendants, you know. So these are just things that were kind of shaped over time, yes. over thousands of generations. Yes. If I could if everyone had different preferences. Yes. Licking Betty did not make it very far. She licked eyeballs. She lived how she wanted. She died doing what she loved. Licking bloody eyeballs. But she did not have any kids. <laughs> um, but there but so so you know, it was so we had all of these all of these kind of preferences for tidiness and cleanliness that were that were meant in a world where it was never done. Like the the job was the job was never done, so it was never too much. You know, it didn't get into an OCD sort of a right. sort of a thing. Sort of like our relationship with time now. Like, like in in your past, you had your kid. You still have to go to hunt, gather, do all these things, and you just kind of did the things and the schedule depending on the season. Now you have this illusion that you'll like finish enough things to get ahead and take a break or retire mm-hmm. or whatever, and so our time management is all funky. Mm. But anyway, um, so that was a lot. <laughs> that, that was... You, know, you just peppered in there. I was like, I think that just was a whole aside. podcast worth of aside right yeah, there. Yeah. Yes, um, and uh, but there's so so this is before Lysol and disinfectant and modern sanitation and everything else, and so. The idea is, is that, say, in a given day in our ancestral past, I'm picking an arbitrary number, uh, that you had 10 kind of bacterial threats in the environment that the immune system would be having to manage and build antibodies for and tease apart which was dangerous and which wasn't. So once that cuts down to one a day, in all of your history – 200,000 years of human existence, millions of years of ancestors before that, uh, this this never happened where you only had this one bacterial threat a day. Mm. And so the brain is potentially going, wait, what? what's happened? Is it the fact that there's less disease out there than there's ever been? Or is our disease avoidance, is our detection off? And so then the brain will go, well, maybe we should regulate the threat detection to make it more sensitive. sensitive. Oh, no. And until it eventually becomes sensitive enough that it detects threats that aren't actual threats, that are benign. So then you have, like, uh, dander or something, and then your immune system launches a response, which is inappropriate for the non-threat, and that that response itself is an autoimmune threat that's attacking your own uh cells the threat is the response the threat is the response so there (laughs) that's one side of it and then the other side of it is no is that we what like what what's the what's the most number of people you've ever performed for in a given show i think it was radio city and it was about seven thousand people seven thousand people that in that one show you you performed for so many more people than your ancestors saw in an entire lifetime <laughs> packed in, <laughs> packed into <laughs> so many more packed yes. into a room confined in a space and uh, and then we have clear cutting and and uh things that are that are one now we're uh, we're and we're domesticating animals and things we're, we're having uh livestock we're, we're packing 
we're packing things in closer quarters and uh, which is it just makes things easier for viruses to spread when things are in closer quarters they don't need to stick around as much it's just it just makes things easier and then uh and and with clear cutting and uh, destroying of the habitat oh, it, you know, it, there's there's it forces species into more of a confined space so then there's a lot more zoonosis there's a lot more spread between species and so I something know zoonosis i didn't know i didn't know <laughs> there's more zoonosis okay there's so so then uh, and then you get introduced to something that is benign in one species um that isn't in another so it's, it's the there's all of these there's all there's all this arms race going on between the immune system and viruses all the time where a virus gets an advantage and it's like a it's like a predator gets faster kills all the prey except a few that were fast enough to get away and then though and now the the predators can't keep up with the prey anymore and that that whatever gene that changed ends up being taking off and then the predator that gets faster uh ends up taking off in that species but they always stay at the same it's still at the end of the day it's like the same there's a saying in biology that the uh chicken is the egg's way of making another egg meaning all of that oh all of that complexity <laughs> all of that weird fucking being that happened that's just <laughs> to make another egg. it's it's just increasing in complexity and so you have something like the um chicken is the egg's way of making another egg <laughs> yeah. oh my god this is melting everything <laughs> and so uh i love that expression and and, and so you have something like, you know, murder hornets got a little play in the news. It's the giant Asian hornet, but just, just because it happened when during a hyper salient time of our lives, people tend to remember. But the same thing there. They have these giant Asian hornets. They co-evolved with the bees in their ecosystem. They go in to a hive. And they see the bees, and then they're going to go out and get friends to go and slaughter all of these bees and take over the hive. It, the bees evolved the defense, which, if they're fast enough, they can swarm that one hornet before it gets its friends and kill it before it has the chance. Oh. This is this has evolved very slowly over time, and the then with global hornet. shipping. It introduces this giant Asian hornet into a population of bees that have never seen anything like this, don't have any defense for it, and nothing that can, like, they can't quickly evolve a, a new defense for this. And so if these things take off, they just slaughter every bee that has absolutely no defense for it. In that same way, there's lots of viruses that and, and pathogens that will keep on popping up that have the similar... We didn't evolve an immune system to handle like bat viruses and things like that necessarily. Right. Nor did bats evolve immune systems for us. The same things that happened to bats. There was a there was a species in the north northeast that something like ninety nine percent of the bats they were almost driven to extinction um, from this white nose fungus. And they traced it back. It was a caver. In Europe, that brought his gear, went caving in New England, and brought an invasive species that that species of bat didn't uh, so it goes evolve for, and just completely. But there's oh, no bat media. 
there's no bat media covering this. <laughs> right, like, right. Who the fuck is hanging out with a human caper? <laughs> yeah. Like, who's doing that? Bat yeah. stand-up comedians. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so it's so we have we have both uh, an environment where we're overreacting way too much to threats that aren't actually threats and wow. getting allergies, and then we have novel invasive pathogens because we have global travel and everything where never in our past could something from the other side of the world right impact you never did we live in such confined spaces and everything else and so it's a tricky situation but we have modern we have modern uh ways of adapting to yeah them. i w- was interested where you are on coco because when i saw you we hugged and i was like interesting i, I didn't know where you would be i was ready for the hug uh, oh yeah! No, I, I oh, on COVID. No, when I greeted you at the door. Oh, today see, that's I don't that's know where you're at. That's another thing. Well, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sensitive about um, COVID. I mean, I'm vaccinated. This is this is the this is trip has like the been the most. I've been hunkered down in Wisconsin, and I don't ever go indoors. I I still haven't done shows, um, mm. and I. But that's so that's interesting. Th- that's a perfect example of we have these. We have these um, like little heuristics, these rules of thumbs that have either evolved over time or been influenced by you know cultural habits that have taken off over time. Where you go, well, you know how to avoid a disease is you like don't touch things and you sterilize things. Like, no, we're you and I looking at each other, breathing in each other's faces in a small room. This is what the threat is. Like mm. this is if if we're going to get co- it's from talking. Uh, hugging is totally fine, but yeah, sitting here talking with you terrifying to me. Absolutely terrifying. Is it? Uh, no. Um, but that's that's more of the risk. But that's what the risk is. Yeah, you, you can to... hug whoever you want. Uh, you'll be fine. Um, but isn't that interesting? The human brain does go. That's like a tactile thing. I'm pressing my flesh yeah. against yours. That seems like more of a threat, and it's more. Uh, conceptual to be like germs and air and it's also easier to see and and so uh uh, we we aren't we aren't always the best with nuance and complexity um and so you know having these kind of simple simple rules that you follow otherwise it's impossible to like i just went through vegas to take this meeting um and i for your show had to stay in well, I can't say anything about that yet because it's not a hundred percent. It's okay. looking good, but hopefully, I'll have I'll be able to announce a show uh, soon. But anyway, I had uh, I, I stayed in a I stayed in a casino, and I hadn't you know I've been like super quarantined. I mean, I go I I've been outside. I've been super active outdoors, playing pickleball and stand up paddleboarding and stuff. But I haven't been indoors at all, and I'm like. Looking at this casino, I'm like, man, if I took a chance and played a little blackjack, like, what are like? Okay, Vegas is about one third of the number of people that would normally be. Okay, that's good. Casinos have like world class ventilation systems, so that's that's kind of a good thing. It's it's pretty hot here. But what's the kind of clientele? Do they tend to be vaccinated? How long could I be in the area? And and I'm doing all of these calculations. Well, that's impossible to live your life that way. Mm. You can't be making those calculations all the time. So we have little rules of thumb, little habits that we develop, little instincts that we have evolved over time. Do you mean like not hugging? Yeah, things like that. Like almost superstitious. 
Yeah, I mean, if someone has a cold, yeah, you probably don't. It reminds me of like I, people who don't eat meat, but then might feed their cat meat, or like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. it's like you get overwhelmed by the complexity of like leather. Well, that was that was an animal. It, it gets too much, so you just go like, right. It's almost healthy to just go like, yeah, I know it doesn't make total sense. Yeah. But I just – like somebody uh, tried to tell me like giving money to homeless people was like stupid. And I was like, I get it. Everything you're saying makes sense. Yeah. But it just seemed like a good moment. You know what I'm saying? I know I picked I a self-serving example. But I, you can overthink anything to death. I had I had one recently. I was parked at a stoplight and I had a buddy in the, in the car. And there's this woman. There's this homeless woman asking for money. And at first I said no. And then I looked at her, and it was a hot day, and I was like, oh, my gosh. I think she's, like, having, experiencing, like, heat stroke or something. Like, she does not look good. Not, it, not like, 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 this looks abnormally bad for her, yeah. you know. And, <laughs> and I know you're not trying to be funny. <laughs> I know <laughs> like, you don't, you might not look well. Just you're down and out person. generally, this but is this, this is, is worse bad. than normal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so I was like, I was like, actually come here. And, and I gave her $20 and I was like, just please go and sit in the shade and get some water. And she's like, Oh, thank you so much. And she walks in front of traffic. Oh my God. Like nearly crushed by a car. Oh my God. I'm like, oh my, what if I would have just gave that person $20? That's what ended their life. And then sent them to their doom. <laughs> it was like, it was inches. So, oh my God. I mean, they were God. disoriented and stuff anyway, but it was. Yeah, like, the universe has a lot of things with me. like that. <laughs> the, yeah, where it's 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 actually you mentioned a reconnaissance. Uh, the bee, the, yeah. the wasp, is doing reconnaissance for the other wasps. Yeah, yeah. And then my roommate in college, he was a biologist or biology major, and he told me about like when they'll send one little turtle to see if it can get to the ocean. Yeah, you know they're on the land and they want to get to the ocean. They'll send one little scout, and if he gets to the ocean, he sends a signal, and then hundreds of turtles come. And then he and I had one of the hardest laughs of my life thinking about if I saw a turtle and then a bird started going for the turtle and I shooed the bird away. Then the turtle gets to the sea, gives the signal, hundreds of turtles come out, hundreds of birds, birds come yeah. out and kill all the turtles. And we it's dark, but we laughed at me being like, no, like trying to swat away all these birds. Yeah, And yeah. so you're helping hurt. There's like a lot of like sort of weirdly... Yeah, darkly poetic things like that. There's also we uh, with now. Now I'm connecting turtles with the the drastic way in which humans change their landscape and build a world that we we haven't uh, been built in and for. But we're able to we're able to shape things and change things so fast that there's unintended consequences. It there's a uh, there's these these big sea turtles that move from uh, the west coast of Africa to the east coast of South America. I feel like maybe I told you this before, but mm. it's a wonderful example anyway. Um, and they uh, – so for a while – and they do that just to lay their eggs. And so scientists were like, why in the world – That seems too far to would go. Would you swim so far – 
just to lay your eggs. It's, you're putting yourself at huge jeopardy of predation yeah. and everything else. And then it occurred to them. They looked and they're like, oh, this is from, this is a historical leftover from Pangaea. This is the exact area that was once touching, that once formed a divide. And there would have been some genetic benefit to like going across a river. Yeah. To and then that go river to, and, and then every generation it goes, you know, a yard further and a yard further. And you just have those turtles that had evolved that preference to swim across that river had a higher success rate. But now it's so far away and they just have that uh, that this preference is... as a leftover. And how many of our behaviors? That's how... what I was just going to say. How many things are we doing our Pangea behaviors? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because when I'm all, you know, I'm COVID uh, careful and everything. And I think it's so funny when, whenever I get my daughter COVID tested, she's going to preschool and yeah. we've got to be tested and they're testing her. And, and people find it particularly like sort of sad yeah. when you're t- testing a three-year-old. Yeah, yeah. And I agree. I'm like, this, this sucks. Yeah. And she, luckily she's good with it. She doesn't mind or, you know, cry or anything. Yeah. In fact, she's a champion. She's very brave. But... We're like, this is just what we're doing. Yeah. And then you go, it does make you wonder, like, what else are we doing that is just what we're doing? And this sort of goes back to hot cup, cold cup. It's sort of everything is a Pangea behavior. Almost everything. Yeah. Like a lot of what we're doing. Yeah. Maybe maybe just like constantly buying shit. Like when I look at my life and I'm like. That's the consumption stuff. I can't handle it. I, I go like. If you like knowing that I'm full of shit, if you were like Peter, are you like a simple person? I would be like, yes, I am a simple person. Because what does that mean? It means I'm kind of a homebody. I mostly just hang out with my family. Sometimes I go out and do shows, but for the most part, I'm in pajama pants. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just kind of noodling around. Yeah. But you're not simple. You on the regular have honey sent to you from New Zealand. (laughs) Like that is not like the number of times. And this is embarrassing that there's an Amazon package and I don't know what it is. Remember in the eighties, it would all be like, you put something in the microwave and you don't, it goes off and you forget what it was. Yeah. It's like, Oh shit. I, I love Mac and cheese. This is like, I get a package from Amazon so often the the, the st- and, and what I'm eating, what we're all eating, it just seems so normal. But like you're eating something that had to be traveled this. And I don't just mean delivery. I mean, like, where did the almonds and this almond milk come from? Yeah. Then you drive through Bakersfield and you're like, here. So it's like nothing is simple. Like a very ordinary, meaning low stress or low conflict life is still a it's I'm like I'm like the brain of a, a very complex system of neurons that span the entire globe. Yeah. Bring me an iPhone. Yeah. Like that, it, it all starts and stops with me. Like yeah. if I stop sending that signal, the whole thing shuts down. <laughs> and that's what advertising is. Advertising is like, don't stop sending those signals. <laughs> yeah. There's a new one with three cameras. And you're like, okay, okay I got to get it. And then they... They uh, tie my identity to it. Like, are yeah. you a Mac person? Are you a Mac person, Shane? You look <laughs> kind of groovy. Are you Mac? And then, then I go like, I better keep buying stuff or I vanish. I know I'm not like 
breaking new ground. But I am not a shaker, nor am I a Quaker, and I'm not a Puritan, and I'm not a pilgrim. I am I'm a pixel in the graphics of a very complicated video game. Yeah. But I'm as into it as any other pixel. And a bottomless pit of want pixel that didn't evolve to stop wanting. <laughs> Is made of wanting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's, uh, yeah, that's, um, uh, that's, uh, it's the, the consumption stuff is true. It, it's, it is amazing that we can live simplified lives still in an, in a vastly complex world because of specializations. Most of us don't need to know how to do anything right. because someone knows how to do right. The thing, I mean, and and we need to, as a society, know certain. Like, you, you know, our our ancestors never needed to know that the Earth wasn't flat. We're the first species to know that the Earth isn't flat. Maybe a bird that has, can see really far <laughs> and uh, see the horizon or Look something that. Like, like that has yeah. has some concept of of yeah. roundness or something. But but there's but. And, and it never – just discovering that the earth was round, that didn't change anybody's life other than, um, you know, maybe maybe from like a relig religious standpoint or something like that. But now we have satellites that need to orbit. Uh, someone had damn well better know <laughs> yeah. that the earth is round. And yeah. so you don't need to know – uh, you know, the, the general relativity and how time works different at a different altitude. And that's going to change how the signal affects your GPS and your phone. And you need to adjust accordingly. You don't need to know the complicated math of any of that. And the people that do that don't know how to, uh, don't need to know how to tell a joke really well or, or yes. write, Which write goes TV. back to the internet being like our corporate brain. Yeah. Like it's like just put it into the brain. Yeah. Put it into our brain. But it's also deceiving too because our individual brains are uh, we're social animals. So we get what we believe we know is based on who we know. So in studies if 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 someone has a if someone has a say Say you know, or your dad, or something is is like a really good car mechanic. Mm -hmm. You've never once done any work with them. Uh, if someone asks you how much you know about how uh, 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 car maintenance, you will overestimate how much you know because about car. My dad. Because you're because you're. Our ancestors were in – you'd have the guy that was hunting. You'd have the person that was good at gathering, the person that was good at building the shelter. Everyone would have these little specialties, but you worked as a group and you would know our group is able to do this. We have this theory of mind so that we, we know what everyone else is capable of. But now with the internet, people mistake they, – they, they did a study where they had people uh, – they did they did these two conditions one they're like it's just a thought experiment they're like these scientists discovered this new mineral they've learned everything about this mineral and uh how much do you know about this mineral and people are like you know i think i know a fair amount about this mineral is a made-up mineral. And then the other condition was the uh, scientists just discovered... <laughs> so 
scientists just discovered this mineral. They've learned everything about it, and it's classified. How much do you know? And people are like, what do you mean? I don't know anything about that. This is hot cup, cold cup. This is one of those life-changing conversations. I really think learning to not take the contents of your mind seriously, too seriously, is like one of the great gifts. You know what I was thinking during my meditation? I was like, sometimes I get stressed out about what people are thinking about me, right? Which is such a fucking dumb thing to do, to go like... You're a social animal. Of course. So that's uh, an exaggeration of a natural thing. Yeah. Like, what does my group think about me? But now my group, you think, is everybody. You think the whole world is, I'm the mineral. And everybody knows everything about me. It's like a reverse mineral. Right. And what I was doing, Shane, and I, please don't misunderstand me. I don't think I'm super famous. I'm not Barack Obama. You're doing pretty well. I'm doing fine. But still, think about it in a percentage of the globe of everybody. What percentage knows who I am or what I'm about? And the reason in my meditation, I was like, it's got to be, like if you were looking at the globe and little lights. Yeah. It would, and then actually, let's light up the ones that don't know fucking shit about me. It looks like Christmas, right? That was one of the most soothing and calming, not just for, you know, borderline famous people like myself, for everybody. When the world is just, everybody thinks I'm a piece of shit. Everybody knows I licked that bloody eyeball at the Christmas party. <laughs> and you just feel like everything's blowing up. I found such comfort in going, there's. Billions of people that have no fucking idea that I'm even alive. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the exact thing that would make some people bummed out. But I saw it as a sneeze. Mm-hmm. I saw it as, then who am I? Like, I'm infinite possibilities. Yeah. It's a fresh start. It's, it's, it couldn't be about what everyone's thinking about me because most people are not thinking about me. So it can't be what people are thinking about you. Life has to be something else. And when I see, so Chris Martin just did the podcast and I was seeing how he's careful about guarding himself from consuming too much stuff and starting to believe the illusion that everybody's thinking about him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and you know where I actually, when uh, on Russell Brand's podcast, Ben Shapiro was on and of all people, Ben Shapiro was very Zen about it. He was like, I find there's a great be- I find there's a great benefit in in getting off the internet and getting out of the illusion that everybody's thinking about you. Yeah. When in reality it's it's like 0.000001% right. of the country, not even the world is thinking about you at any given time. What what freedom in the nothingness, in yeah. the void. I have a would you have a comment? Oh uh, no. I mean, I was I was you always do. You're a great guest. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the I think one of the one of the tricky things about egocentrism too is that we we say like the ego like a dirty word or whatever. But I mean, what also at the end of the day is like what what choice is there? You make you make the most use of the information that you have access to. You don't there. There's there's plenty of interesting important things happening in a city i've never heard of right now at this moment that are way more important than this conversation that we're but i don't have access to that information all that i can do is do the best that i can with this information and be in this moment and everything else and then so it's 
so it's you know just a byproduct is that of that as we tend to then have these spotlight effects and stuff where we tend mm. to mm. think think like well it's the world revolves around me and so it's it's just a default state to think that things you know revolve around you and they're thinking about right. you and so, because also what if they are you know you find you find yourself you you were walking down the street. You find yourself thinking, "What if someone sees me right now?" You think that all the time, but that's because it, there has to be something in you, kind of regulating, like, like practicing. You know, well, I do find myself in front of people quite a bit. So, if I build these habits of behaving in a way that is socially favorable when I'm by myself, then mm. I'll behave naturally without having to think about it. Uh, in in a in a way that favors me. So when I am with people, it's a, it's like you're always rehearsing. Oh, I just I was with Val yesterday, and I came out of the bathroom, and she said, "Hey, I didn't ask you how was whatever." And I said, "I was just rehearsing what I was going to say to you <laughs> yeah. when you asked me that." Yeah. And that was my pinned tweet for a long time. It said, "I just caught myself rehearsing for a casual conversation." <laughs> That's awesome. And this is what I'm saying. Everything is Pangea. Yeah. Is, is it's this like imprinted behavior? I you're gonna I think you're gonna like this. Yeah. We're watching The Crown and it has all the you know the the guards of the Queen mm-hmm. and they when they walk it's the same with Hitler's troops, our troops, everybody's troops walk in like an exaggerated way. Like they throw their arms up and they throw them down, or they're kicking like Mussolini's people, like they're yeah. kicking. And I'm like they're going. This is how much extra energy I have. Yeah, I have so much energy I can walk in a crazy way because nothing tires me out. Like yeah. you can't just slump about and of course the group thing is like this is how much training we've had yeah. you're just trying to posture in a way that says i am inexhaustible and our resources to train are inexhaustible as well this is the gazelle jumping up drawing attention to itself when the lions uh in the area it's a famous it's called starting or something like that but they they jump up in the air to one you advertise that I see you. You don't. You don't have the element of surprise on me anymore. And two, that that look. Look how it's look, all Pangea. Look how fit. Yes. Look how fit I am. Yes. You're gonna want to take your chances with something that doesn't jump as high as I do. You You're know? gonna want to go for one of these low jumping. <laughs> yeah. To so get a teenager, they're they're idiots. But isn't that like I'm thinking of like a like a like an NWA video where they're like crouching, like crouching is hard. Yeah. Like getting down to the camera and you're bending your knees. It's all of this stuff to say like, I am not fatigued in my joints. (laughs) And I've said this a million on this podcast, but so much hip hop is about fucking and, uh, and without condoms. Yeah. yeah. And it's to say, I am an aggressive gene. (laughs) See me, see how upsetting I am to your sensibility. Well, guess what? There's going to be more of me because I'm out there fucking and you're out there being afraid well, or, or, or not afraid, but, you know, threatened by my lifestyle. And then look at we're speaking of macho behavior. I I had a, a tweet very early on in the pandemic. Like, watch what's going to happen. The moment ma- macho men are confronted with a problem that where biceps are specific, are exceptionally useless. <laughs> Um, <laughs> you can plan on them flexing the hardest that they ever have. Every That's time, really funny. Every time, and and it's and it's because like if that's what your thing is, 
you need to you still need to advertise like hey look over here and i have this thing and it's i mean it's it's been pretty detrimental of like i'm strong enough you're advertising how strong you are against a virus well okay good luck if that's what you want to advertise but it impacts other people you know and and so covid comes around and and all you have is like fitness yeah yeah yeah. fit yeah that was one of the nastier sides of it was you saw like a species considering (laughs) being like let the weak die (laughs) you really saw like like there's not even utility in that it's like it's (laughs) we're going to be paying for decades in healthcare costs every every pandemic's like eliminated healthcare workers it's been the hardest on them those are those are the the uh, some of the best educated hardest to train people Mm. that exist especially there's countries we have we have a healthcare worker. We have a doctor per 400 people in the U.S. Like places like Libya, where they have like a doctor per 40,000 people. So like wow. Ebola and stuff, you know, ran right, right through them. It was horribly um, problematic. So we're also like pretty privileged here. So so we can like kind of afford to flex a little bit because we have an infrastructure that can handle the hit. But it's now you're now you're taking a hit on the infrastructure just because you need to fucking advertise how like thick and strong you are this is also yeah at the same time speaking of hot and cold there's there's similar so this this idea of embodied consciousness which is is the the kind of logic behind it is the cortex uh, that that outer uh layer evolved last that's the fancy it's what we're using a lot of right now we're talking we're using these fancy words and stuff that are my words aren't terribly fancy but compared to a chimps they're pretty great and (laughs) they're they're we have this you know great imagination this ability to defer gratification to plan ahead the a lot of that sort of stuff was built on top of sensory information uh, fight or flight, uh, touch, smell, that sort of... So that's that, a lot of our metaphors in life are built, you know, like we're having a deep conversation right now or someone yeah. can be shallow or you're bright or, yeah. you know, none of these yeah. things existentially mean an alien that these metaphors wouldn't make sense to them, but they resonate with us. And, and they change over time too. Like you have a... You had a bright idea because a light bulb came, you know, you're articulating your inner world based on the outer world, too. So then, like, cars come along, and now we're all driven and firing on all cylinders. And then you have computers, and now we're getting these massive downloads and needing to defrag. So we're we're taking cues in the environment and technology to understand ourselves. And the brain, we used to think it was like an aqueduct when we had aqueducts. Yes, yes. It was a computer when we thought it was like a computer. So Elon Musk, even though he's got brilliance in him, is doing what we've always done, which is compared our brain to the height of technology yeah. as we know it. Yeah, always. And so, so then there's things that happen. So there's uh, when when there's going back to these different subcells. When the disease avoidance subself is activated, there's various precautions that it takes based on heuristics like maybe don't hug a person, maybe avoid people, avoid strangers, avoid new situations. So if you in in a study they'll they'll have people uh, in in the control condition um, uh, they'll survey them on social values such as like do you believe in gay marriage where are you at with affirmative action that sort of thing 
and people and then the the experimental condition is you put a rotten egg smell in uh in the room and and that triggers your disease avoidance which then triggers your psychological defenses for diseases and the logic is is the in what what the end result is is that people are uh, are le- lower in openness, meaning they're they're more adverse to outgroups. They're they're uh, uh, that- more against immigration. They're more against abnormal sexual behavior, that sort of thing. Because if your immune system is feeling like, hey, we're doing everything we can to manage the existing threats within the environment. Why would I introduce more potential threats and more potential already threats being here. like outside or different people? People that people might have more eggs? Yeah, there's yeah. fucking egg smell out here. You come in here, there's already an egg smell, and you ask me to bring in other motherfuckers that might have eggs in here? So then you have like a, and then, I mean, you have a global pen, which remember in the beginning when everyone's like, I think I had COVID, Uh, like my eyes got watery and stuff. Oh, you probably triggered a, a, I felt that way too. Like I, I, I think you probably psychologically triggered an allergic response. You, you were able to take cues from the environment, which in this case was news of this new event. And you're you're fearful, and somehow that connected to your uh, your threat detection, which was heightened. And then you start having an allergic response just from suggestions. Mm-hmm. Much in the same way, if I describe uh, two girls, one cup to a person, I could make them throw up without actually showing it to yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and or I tell you to imagine licking a lemon, and you start salivating. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And so in in that same way. If you if you trigger like threats of of disease, then you're also you're probably going to experience and and uh, less uh, you know even if you you might argue that this wasn't the case for COVID, I'd argue that it is. But I would say in in every future threat and every past one, you what you're going to see is more tribalism. You're going to see a, yeah. a lot. That uh, that was true. Nine eleven, the yeah. marathon bombing in Boston, like. And, and this is going to sound silly, but again, in my book, I, I talked about when I got divorced, my wife left me, and I never felt more like a Bostonian in my life. And I've never like yeah. strongly identified with Boston. And I started listening to the Dropkick Murphys. I'm pretty sure I rewatched <laughs> Goodwill Hunting. This sounds like a joke. Yeah, I, I, no, it is funny. I'm just saying it, it's true. I was yeah. like, I'm shipping off to Boston. I, you know, like, and I was like, she, because she was from Maine. And I was like, Maine, that was the problem. I let in someone from Maine. (laughs) I should have got a good girl. And by the way, when I I remember when I was in high school, everybody was from Massachusetts and everybody had Massachusetts face. Mm -hmm. And I'm actually attracted to Massachusetts face. There's a certain certain pinch to it that that the long (laughs) winters, I'm sure Wisconsin face, there's a Wisconsin face. I happen to find Massachusetts face to be attractive. And then I went to college and I was like, why is everyone ugly? Yeah. I didn't think they were ugly, but I was like, in my high school, everyone was hot. Yeah. Everyone yeah. was hot. Yeah, every yeah. single teacher, every single <laughs> student was a hot girl or woman. And then I got to college and I was like, what's this fucking face? And it was because they were from Minnesota. Yeah. And like, this is, 
Again, it's hot cup, cold cup. It's all Pangea. Yeah. I am a cell under a microscope, and I was in a cluster of cells that looked a certain way. And then unlike other cells throughout most of history, I broke off and went to a group of crazy, like forget Radio City, a college of thousands of, of cells from all over the place yeah. and their diseases and their jaw lines and their eye placement, their eye color and their the smell of their breath and their pheromones and their eye uh, their hair texture and suddenly I was like everyone's ugly because these don't look like my mom and my yeah. grandmother and my dad and 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 the womb I came from and the breast I suckled on who the fuck are these weirdos but I'm just a jumping gazelle I'm just doing yeah I yeah. find deep spiritual significance in this because you can just opt out you can just go like I can't just be or I can just be a series of preconditioned responses and to me that's what I'm not trying to make this mystical. I'm just saying that's what my interest in spirituality is, is breaking away or at least observing that you are just a show me a popsicle and I want ice cream. Show me some noodles. I want noodles. Show me some titties and I want to jizz. You know what I mean? Uh, Show me a comfy hobbit bed and I want to take a nap. (laughs) Like there has to – I would argue that there is something more. The operating system – yeah upon which that is running is a deeper level of consciousness, whether you want to mystify that or not. And I mean, being, being mindful of it allows you more, more choices and opportunities and, and more control about what habits and what behaviors you want to choose and yeah. what, what you want to, because I, I, I tend to, I tend to, when I say these things, I tend to find the things that there's like, there's always a bias in me that's, Wanting to call people stupid in one way or another. Like, here's the ways in which we're all stupid, myself included. But there's, at the same time, that's, I need to watch that because there's, there's so much opportunity for to be us to be flexible and to learn and to take these same things that have these horrible impacts when, when they, when they go wrong or when the, you know, egocentrism leads to narcissism and everything else. But there's ways in which you can take those same traits and get the best out of them as well. Mm-hmm. And, and when you know what you, your end result, uh, what, what some of your goals are, there are ways to know yourself better and know the things that work for you and know some of your evolved preferences or past patterns or childhood upbringing or whatever that you can utilize to to fuel and more to really of the behavior that you, you actually like yeah well this is what we talk about on the podcast all the time is like do you really like miller light or are you just from wisconsin yeah, yeah. you know what i mean or do you really like bud light or are you really just from illinois like everybody was drinking bud light in illinois for some reason right and i was just watching this morning a malcolm gladwell his ted talk where he was talking about how what they used to do in focus groups, like if we wanted to make a tomato sauce, is we would ask 100 people, what kind of tomato sauce do you want? The better example he gave was, yeah. if you ask 100 people what kind of coffee they want, everyone says dark, robust, rich. Yeah, These are great words. Yeah. No one says weak, light, <laughs> milky. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, but really, 75% of you want weak, milky, light yeah, coffee. Yeah. And then... The real thing that I thought was super interesting about that was if you ask them what they want, they'll tell you what they've had and they really have no idea what they want. Mm-hmm. But then if you give them every type of tomato sauce and one of them is chunky, uh, 
one third of them will say I like chunky, but they if you would ask them, they wouldn't say I like chunky because they didn't even know. Then they had chunky and then they go, Oh, that's what they want. So you have to kind of like tell people what they want. Yeah. You have to give them like lots of diverse options. I don't know how I got there. I just Oh, especially like as a comedian. You can't like you don't walk out and go, What do you guys want? I mean some people Yeah, what do you think is funny? Do, but like but like, this is how I feel that's about not how algorithms. Like, what the fuck would this person know about what would make good stand up for me? Maybe right. for them. They right. Might, but. right, right. And if they were, we would call them a comedian. Yeah. They would, yeah, they would yeah. shift into the maker of that right. content. Let me ask you a DMT question. When we talk about yeah. desire, and I was talking about my endless desire to uh, buy shit, which I am in. Not embarrassed by, but I am working on it. I'm trying to I mean, take a pause before I order the bottle of raw olive oil. Off welcome of to the human condition. Yes, you know? exactly. And then I was, th- I was reading someone else's DMT trip report, and it really changed my life. It was really beautiful. And they, they used religious language, even though they were an atheist. And they said it felt like an infinite, timeless, um, and he said insane, meaning like, Rash, not ir, ir, transrational, I mm-hmm. guess you would say. But he said, insane, uh, sprawling fractal doing whatever it wants. And I was like, not a, like wanting everything is another way to put it. And I was like, that's interesting because in Be Here Now, one of Ram Dass's early teachers said to him, the universe is desire. Mm. The, and, and, and moksha or liberation is desirelessness. So it's like you're try, the universe is made of desire. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like this person's DMT God experience was being dropped into desire itself. Mm. Desire for everything. I, I talk a lot about this book, Existential Kink, which I really enjoyed, which was about your desire even to experience things that you don't like. like and by the way, some people, that's all they need is just that little light turns on and you go like, when I, when my opener is doing too much crowd work and I'm in the green room yelling, stop talking to them. Yeah, yeah. If I pause and just go, you kind of like it, don't you? You like being the headliner in the green room. <laughs> you like getting worked up. Oh, you that's, like, that's you, a good thought. You like kind of getting that's scared. Oh, that's interesting. You like scaring yourself. Huh. Like, oh, now they're going to be too moment. chatty. I, I find it right away. Like, yeah. you like being in traffic and going, I'm not going to be at Six Flags on time. Like, yeah, yeah. like, like look at kids. Like, when Lila plays Grown Up, she picks up a cell phone and she starts, like, it sounds like she's planning. She's like, Bobby, do that, blah, blah. She's just doing baby talk. But I remember being a kid and wanting to, like, rub my forehead and be like, <sighs> looking, pretending to be contemplative. Yes. yes. And just be like, now they're not going to get there on time. It's and like, now we're going to have to redo the whole thing. Oh, man. So you like it. So yeah. I'm going to put all of that to you. You can respond to whatever you want. But do you have any experience with touching the core? Maybe it's the core inside of you or just the core of being, which is a yearning. We can agree that there's a yearning, mm-hmm. meaning a yearning to keep your molecules in one Shane-like shape, my molecule or my atoms in a Shane-like shape, oh, uh, an yeah. egg yearns to be another egg. Uh, we we just go well, it's in its DNA, but it's like everything is yearning. The 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 fish that walked out of the ocean, the 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 ocean that adapted after the meteor hit the uh, earth and killed all the dinosaurs, that adapted, that turned into mammals. Like there is a problem-solving forward 
overarching, progress-obsessed, novelty-increasing engine that we could just call desire. Have you ever had any experience? Have you ever met that desire and told it it wasn't God? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I guess the main thing for me is always with psychedelics, I'm early on blown away. Like, I just have... If something confuses me... So one, I have my... I I mean I'm I'm an addictive person anyway, but a couple of the things that really drive me is I am uh, very much, and this is going to sound so fucking pretentious, but I'm very much addicted to epiphanies. I will do anything. I will labor through the most confusing, boring as fucking book or lecture or whatever for just like the thing that catches me off guard. That makes me go, oh my god! Well, I'm never yeah. going to see the world again yeah, in the, the same, same way. way. Yeah. Like that. Well, you told that's me that's oh, yeah. the ahead. most amazing thing. And then the reverse of that is, is I have this odd relationship with psychedelics. I just went on like a ketamine um, kick recently, where like if I like the first couple times that I see that I have an experience with ketamine, it'll be like. Oh, this is uh, all a sim. If I did sim, if I did ketamine right now, and I hadn't done ketamine in a while, I'd be like, "Am I Pete, or is he me, or are we even real? Have we been in this room the entire? Is there anything outside of this room? Is this? <laughs> if I always do, I even exist? What? And then, and it's so can it's I I really enjoy it, and it's so interesting, and it's like interesting to get to feel so different than I normally do. Um, but then I just need to, I need to do it again because I found that I need to do psychedelics enough to get bored with the experience. Yeah. And then I see, uh, like I see with more clarity. That's what Terrence it's just McKenna easy to get lost in awe. Yeah. He's like you know? the first time it's like you, you no, nobody wants to talk to the guy who's done DMT <laughs> once. He's like, touring around doing a psychedelic show. I'd always have someone come up to me afterwards that would like give me a real talking to about DMT. And I, I'm always like, well, DMT is so fucking confusing. I don't come down too hard one way or another on what I actually think that it is. I put more emphasis on presenting what I view to be an um, underrepresented point of view, which is, hey, maybe it's not a different dimension or whatever, and it's actually just inside of our brain. I, it's not that I even necessarily believe that. I just right. I tend to fall that way, and I think that that point of view is underrepresented. And if it's true, it could mean making real difference in this life that we have now. So it is a little bit important to me. But you, we have enough people going ghost surreal, and you want to be at the campfire going like ghost stories are great. I don't <laughs> yeah. know if he really does have my golden arm. And I'll have someone come up to me, and they're and they're going on and on about DMT for a while, and I'll be like kind of impressed by the things that they're saying, and like okay, I've never really thought about it in there, and I'll be like, wow, like how many times have you done DMT? And I, oh, I tried it once. I kind of like it, I didn't quite break through, but. I, oh. What you just like? 
you you just gave me this 30 minute rant like so dogmatically too so sure of yourself and and just so convinced of this that that it's so that's for me my never ending need is to like I haven't done DMT in a few years now and it's it scares me to think about going back but I've thought about it almost every day over the last two months or since since I did ketamine recently and I've been having good experiences I'm like I think I gotta go back in there and what there's was scaring you you just you rang the bell too many times just the last few times just stuff got way too real and it just <laughs> seemed like it seemed it's yeah it seemed you know it seemed like <laughs> there were like time travelers or something messing with me and it was it became a very convincing story in my mind and you know it's it's part of the reason why um uh please listeners don't judge me by my twitter account because it's not actually who i am but the reason why i am pretty snarky about conspiracy theorists and have been through this is one i've gotten an up close and personal look because of the audience that i built with a psychedelic crowd of seeing some of the cognitive biases that come along with having top-down thinking and thinking that you're manifesting everything and then the universe not you know cooperating with bending to your will leading to cognitive dissonance and conspiracy theories and stuff but I, the main thing is, well, is that because was a I've, real sentence right there that was, had, a good, that was a great sentence <laughs> i've had manic episodes where the issue is is like you can believe rationally with 99.9 percent of your brain that that uh that definitely time travelers are not coming back and leaving you little messages and stuff but that point zero 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 one percent if that is the case that it's true the the uh, the consequences of that can't be ignored you know right. and that's how it feels and so even you can be a very rational person and just get this this little the, get stuck on a thought that just the that that can hijack your emotions. There has to be a word for that, you know. Like, like I guess it's like paranoia, a thought worm, or so, or like a, a thought worm. Or, I don't. Know. Yeah, it's so. it's like I guess a benign example would be how do you know that all of your memories weren't implanted into you? This right, morning, right. So that's that's pretty harmless. Like, because most people like me would just be like, well, who cares if that is true? <laughs> I mean, it's it's freaky. And then, if, but if it takes hold of your right, you know, amygdala fully, and you're like walking around like, Gee, is any of this real? I've experienced that. Yeah, and it can, you know, it can be problematic. And well, what were the? Is this troubling to talk about the time travelers? No, not at all. The last one, the last time I uh, was my, my, so I was in a psych ward. My documentary, Psychonautics, a comics exploration of psychedelics on free on Amazon, uh, you, you know, shows. I, I was, I was overusing psychedelics because we were making a documentary and I was pushing beyond what I knew was right with integration and everything. Kind of also rather arrogantly, like, 20 years of nothing but positive experiences. I mean, difficult trips, sure, but nothing but growing experiences. And so I'm going to show that these, you know, there's not much to worry about here. And then had a manic episode and things got really real. Mm -hmm. And, um, And then when COVID happened, 
uh, I had a manic episode on the Natch. I was hypomanic as soon as COVID happened, which was if COVID, it felt like just like a mushroom trip. Like the world has completely changed, but it's different at the same time. Everyone is the most themselves. Like no matter what you, whatever political party you are, whatever you're into, it's like that's coming to the surface now more than ever. Mm. And it was, it was like our, our internal, and, and then you're thinking of all these things that are running in the background all the time that you, oh my God, I never thought about food distribution in this way before you know you're noticing all of these things that exist but you've never really given much thought to and everything seems so important and profound and and it's new and you're learning so much and and uh and it's kind of scary and and uh and i was just hypomanic and incredibly productive um i i fortunately had talked with a couple scientists early on where i was like oh so this is this is years. Okay. This is uh this is an event. Uh all right. I'm not I'm not going to twiddle my thumbs until I can tour again next month or mm-hmm, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh I'm redoing my career and starting the Mind Under Matter podcast with Ramin Nazer. <laughs> and uh <laughs> so sneaky. Um and I won't say it. And and uh and then so that was the first couple months and then mid-May so I had had this odd thing in 2017 where I got – it was it, I was convinced of these ideas. You know how like kids say the darndest thing? Um, you know, kids will say these things that are like wise. They, like they don't even know right. what they said and why it's like profound in this interesting way. Right, right, right. I was like our subconscious is always doing that. Our subconscious is always light years ahead of where our consciousness is. And so sometimes people say things they don't even realize like exactly what they're saying, but there's more to it mm-hmm. than they know. Like, um, for example, I've had DMT experiences. I see this lattice at the edge of the, uh, of the universe before it breaks through this DMT space. It's like this, this grid, um, and of this pattern and I saw this Einstein quote that was, I mean, who even knows if it was his? So, uh, which yeah, w- w- would, would render this story null and void. But anyhow, they asked him, he would wear plaid and they asked him why, uh, why he'd wear plaid or if it was like weird for him to dress different or whatever. And he's like, well, once you understand that the universe is expanding into nothing, that is somehow something than wearing stripes and plaid is easy Hmm. and i was like you know that's what the edge of the universe looks like to me it looks like it's right wrapped in stripes and plaid i wonder if he was like his Mm -hmm. subconscious because he'd spent so much time he was a visual thinker he'd picture himself riding on a light beam and that sort of thing theory of relativity stuff i wonder if um if he is he was like in that moment picking up on something right. that he had like thought about and done the math on, but hadn't. And just it's like, like a caveman be like, it. I don't know. I'll Google it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What did you say? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> and I got, uh, there was this period of time where I got obsessed with the ideas in Christopher Nolan movies. And I thought that, I thought that, uh, like if you played them in a certain way, it was, you know, like the whole playing the record backwards sort of stuff. And played I the movie in on, a certain way. 
it was like it was like if you if you saw his movies in reverse order um and then going back to like memento which was in reverse it was like it was kind of articulating uh it was what was it was like interstellars about uh, interacting with the quantum world and how you can project thoughts into the past and time working differently mm-hmm. and then um going back to like inception all about the subconscious mind so so is our subconscious able to interact with time in this different way and then maybe time is working i was i was obsessed with things going in reverse you know those you know those um those uh videos of someone like uh flying out of a pool backwards they were yeah. actually diving in yeah. or whatever it's this visually appealing kind of uh, I just started seeing everything like that. Like my, the way my brain was perceiving time was warped. This is while I was having a manic uh, episode, and and so, and so I I started. So I got like obsessed with Christopher Nolan and his ideas, and the same thing. Like he's articulating something that he doesn't even realize. And I was like, his next movie, and and Dunkirk had just came come out at the time, and I was like. It was his first, like, kind of normalish movie, and then I was like, "His next movie is going to be about things being sent back um, you, from you just the future." That sense. And yeah, and I was like, telling people about this for some. Yeah, you know, I said a lot of like, I made a lot of pretty asinine predictions back then. So afterwards, I was like, "Okay, forget all that. Sorry, everybody." Well, in <laughs> <laughs> so. After being hypomanic for two months, come mid-May 2020, like, oh, Christopher Nolan has a new movie out. Oh, Tenet. I wonder what that's about. I hit play, and then it's like, imagine things going backwards. Oh, my God. I'm like... Uh, what now? Oh <laughs> and my then, god! And then, and then I just started having like an intense amount of synchronicities, and then I turned. I had gone um, home to. I was in L.A. when everything hit the fan. I was living on the road full time, touring three cities a week, and everything got canceled up until Michigan because I was, all my West Coast stuff got canceled. I was like, oh, I'll visit home. I'll, I haven't seen my parents in a while. It's pandemic, everything else. And so I went back, and then I got stuck there. And I'm like, oh, I live with my parents now. So May 25th. So I start experiencing synchronicities. May 25th, I turned 40, living in my parents' basement. I also just ran out of – I had a team of uh, full-time assistant and social media person and, uh, and you know publicist, stuff like that. And I – ran out of i was putting i was like all right let's just change everything that we do and you know trying to keep them employed Mm -hmm. um ran out of money had to like let them go uh and i just started having like a huge amounts of anxiety and uh and then uh and it was right when the george floyd stuff happened uh, it was may 25th and um and i was you know a couple hours from minneapolis a lot Mm -hmm. lot of friends there and everything Mm -hmm. And I just, something in my head, I just had this crazy dream one day that it was all, uh, that all of my whole life was a lie and it was like a joke that I was playing on myself or something like that. And then it was like so real and I woke up from it and I I was having a panic attack and I felt, I thought I was having a heart attack for sure. It was the most intense um, uh, feeling and and I was like, this isn't real. This is a trick. And I was, 
I wanted to call 911 because I truly believed I was having a heart attack, but I didn't. I thought it was like a trick to get me to call 911 and like nothing. And and that was like some trick of the simulation. You didn't want to like perpetuate the, the mythology. The so myth. basically, I woke up from the stream unable to distinguish whether I was dreaming anymore or not, mm. which is kind of what happened the first time. And so I just like, and when you cannot tell if you're dreaming or not, like it's. You know, it's different than a lucid dream. It's like it doesn't end. And it's like you don't know if you've ever been dreaming or ever been alive. And I just eventually started just thinking everything was a simulation. And so I started like messing with it and creating, creating like it in while having panic attacks also like causing scenes and stuff like this isn't real. None of this is real. And then my parents eventually like called. Uh, you know, the hospital and everything. And I was mm. eventually put in for a week. No meds this time. Handled it on my own. It was an interesting experience this time because the first time was too scary to make enough sense of. But this time I was I was able to see what I was doing in other people um, because... The effect you were having on other people, you mean? No, no. I mean, there was other people having a manic episode. Oh. If someone's having a manic episode, you're not normally interacting with that person um, mm-hmm. much. Uh, you know, usually they're, like, swept away. And so to be in a room with other people having this kind of same experience and seeing these different things that they... Like, cognitive mistakes that they were making. It's always easier to see someone else being wrong than yourself. And so I was like, Oh, that's what I've been doing. That's where, what I've been misperceiving. How helpful. And there's things like, there's also things like in a psych ward that they do wrong, which is they do things. So they should prep you for it before you go in. They should be like, you know, there's a lot of people having the same experience that you're having. And so, you know, some other people are on edge and everything. And also there are things because we have, you know, uh, this is a 24-7 thing, and we have people coming in on shifts and different people working different days. We have built efficiencies, which in the way we organize things. Um, and so we have, like, color-coded systems so that the employees know different levels of care for each people. What manic people sometimes do is they think this is a puzzle that they need to solve to get out. But if they don't tell you that, that's like what you'll think. You'll think this is a puzzle. This is, I'm being tested right now. Right. Why is this? Because you're picking up on patterns. You're picking up on more patterns than actually exist, which is another part of the human condition anyway, but amplified when you're manic. Mm. Everything's a pattern. Um, and very mean. Your ability, it's like, um, consciousness has a spotlight on what is important in a given situation and what you need. You can't take in all of the information in this room. You're focused on this conversation right now. Well, there's something that happens in the manic state that deregulates that, you know, default mode network or whatever. And it's just all information is of equal weight. But then because, because then once, once that happens, 
you notice things that you hadn't noticed before. Why didn't you notice them before? Because they were insignificant. But now you see them, and, and because you hadn't noticed them before, it's novel, so now it seems important. So these insignificant things seem way more important to you yeah. than they uh, than they need to. And so... So I just started kind of learning lessons like that about like By errors that my brain yeah. was making. And then I had some like really beautiful moments in there too. Like I was looking through a Where's Waldo um, Seems perfect book. for your state. I'm not trying to be funny. <laughs> yeah. It seems perfect. You found the cane. I'm finding the hat. What, what I realized. <laughs> <laughs> you probably could see a pattern. I'm not trying to be funny. You probably could see a pattern if this is where he is on the first puzzle. The second puzzle, he's not going to be anywhere near there. I bet you could break down where they put him page by page and be like, of course, a human being is deciding. They're not going to put him in the first <laughs> yeah, puzzle yeah. where he is in the second puzzle. Yeah. He's probably going to be somewhere very different from the first puzzle. Yeah. So I can eliminate this whole area. I, I, I came up with a different idea, which was I was like, I'm not going to look for Waldo. I'm just going to look at the full picture and appreciate everything and when i did that i was like have you ever looked at the drawings in where's waldo it's waldo is the most boring thing on ah! the page there's amazing there's fires being put out and yes. firemen wearing different things yes, yes, and dogs yes. and, and there's a there's, topless woman in the french one i remember there were naked people and and that's uh, that's when I, uh, that's when i i realized sometimes um uh, uh, some sometimes it's it's about uh it, it's about kind of letting go of the drive to like sometimes we're so focused on the task that we yeah. miss out on the whole experience well, isn't that a it's funny the dumbest task in the world too why do you want to see the most boring person he's on the on cover this you already know what waldo looks like look at the parisian countryside he's dressed so I mean, poorly i've tried to do a bit about that you'll i i feel like you'll like a lot of things that maybe other people don't like just because we can have similar thoughts yeah but I've been thinking about bringing this bit back. It's about I was at a part. This is very truncated. It won't be that funny. I was at a birthday party and I saw a kid and he was eating at the snack table. And someone came up and tagged him, and then he like went, put down his food and chased him. Right. And I was like, you don't have to play tag. You know what I mean? But I was like, but that's how kids feel looking at us when we're like, where are my keys? I got to go to work. They're in the corner <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. don't you see it's all a game, man? It's yeah, just yeah. tag. But yeah. that Waldo thing is fucking hilarious. It's a yeah, yeah. si similar point. Why are you wasting your time looking for Waldo? Because the book told you to find him? This art, I mean, it's kind of like a beautiful thing that the artist did, too, to put so much incredible detail and create all these amazing scenes but and then direct everyone away to the most boring from thing. all of but here's Don't the even thing. look at all of this work that I did. Would you look at all the work that he did if you weren't looking for Waldo? <laughs> That's I true. think the brain That's... wants the task. He wanted you to look at the lifeguard that's smoking a, a gentleman's pipe, but he knew he could only get you to look at it if he was like, where's that dorky corny dude? Can you find him? Uh, no. And isn't that life? Life is like, 
look at everything I've created. And it's like, okay, uh, find a partner, find a job, <laughs> have kids, uh, find meaning. But really, it's just like, look at these graphics. Uh, also, why do we even need to open up that book when we can just picture a lifeguard wearing a gentleman's pipe anytime we want? Yeah, you're right, but we want to just... see a real one. We want to see a real fake one. There's really something to that. Where where are the time traveling dudes? What were they? They were sending you Uh, messages. It was tough to figure out what was going on. You know, the other thing that I learned about that that is specifically applicable to um, just conspiracy stuff and and life generally is is it was it really highlighted you know things that kind of intellectually knew about confirmation bias and stuff and mm-hmm. we all have like motivated reasoning and and you know the idea that something very special is happening to you or whatever um and it, there was it, i realized that if you're th- this is probably a lot of people wouldn't agree with me saying this but after a trip or during a manic episode sometimes just keep your fucking mouth shut for a while, you know, and like sit on it and let it integrate for a little while because things will because it's it's such a flashbang fireworks show that you need to like settle into the nuance of it and mm-hmm. what the the metaphors were because when you start telling people right away there's something subconsciously that you've committed to and then you can't just there's something in your brain that won't just like let it go. You know, mm-hmm. you're like dug in. So, so you'll realize something's wrong about that, but you'll, you'll try to make it be like, well, no, but, but what I actually meant was, so yes, it was wrong, but it you're was right in about, this way. This is what I love talking. There's something slippery going on in our brains and we're all doing it mm-hmm. microsecond by microsecond. Yeah. And it is these little concessions where I'm telling you a story. This is too obvious and of an example, so it'll sound false, but I think there's something true beneath it where I'll say, uh, instead of saying I, I read a book, I'll say read the color. And then I'll be like, there was a guy, his house read, and you'll be like, his house was red. I'll be like, his house was red. And then, see, I can't even articulate what I'm saying, but there's this like sand in an hourglass. Everything's falling too fast. And it's too overwhelming, so we end up committing to things that aren't real, and our brain wants to make sense. So before long, again, you wouldn't do it without a red hat per se, but you're accepting a falsehood instead of accepting the challenge, that stomach-flippy feeling of falling through infinity. You'd rather just go, ah, fuck it, red hat, so you can keep moving. Yeah. But but what I'm saying is we're playing with reality rather than accurately – recreating it for one another yeah or reporting on it and uh, and also i mean consciousness is one a big dramatizer much in the same way that that comedians do all of these novel things or exaggerate things to get an audience's attention or to be different um consciousness, consciousness does the same, does thing. The same thing to uh, you know sometimes you have a image of like oh what if i just jump off a cliff right now and that's just your inner world just had one photo to convey a point that was like, hey, maybe you're heading in the wrong 
path right now. Maybe instead of putting together this show, you need to work on this other project mm. instead. And it just didn't know how to say it and only had a moment to grab your attention and kind of and kind of suck so you in. Jumping off a cliff. And then on top of that, there's there's ways in which we like advertise commitment to uh, again, we're social animals. So the way that we advertise uh, much in the way that we flex our strength and do all those like conspicuous consumption and stuff, we also um, uh, we advertise in group status by by doing ridiculous. Uh, the The more ridiculous the thing that you buy into in a group is, or the more costly it is, the more it shows your commitment to that in group mm. so you can find yourself believing the most ridiculous things as part of your allegiance to a uh, particular group and doing it in in ways that you don't even realize um that you're doing last little point mm. going back to olive oil i don't want you uh to beat yourself up about your fancy olive oil because there's a perception this has to do with just life generally. There's a perception that the food that you're tasting, you're tasting it with your tongue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like that's doing some of it, but it's and then you know the smell. Okay, we get that. But then there's the story. You're you're this you're eating round a story. Ice cream, round ice cream containers. Exactly. That tastes better. Yeah. They say round ice cream tastes better than square ice cream. Yeah, you is that want exactly you want you want the waiter to uh, to give you the whole story about the wine, the, the wine, and it was a cold the... year in Tuscany. <laughs> yeah, we do. Yeah. yeah, this was the wine. I've done that before. Have you ever like poured yourself a glass of water and been like, "This was the water." <laughs> That's a, such a good trick. In I'm gonna do it. The chalice at the last. I never. That's a good one. And you can make yourself enjoy something more. This, by, I, I tried for the longest time to do a bit about how rich people are like magicians yeah. because magicians will do something really incredible, but then they have to tell you what they did often. Yeah. Like, and yeah. you had a free choice. You had a free choice. You could have picked any card. <laughs> yeah. and, I, and you saw me put it in my pocket, but then it was in, this, in, in the bunny's butthole. Right? And rich people have to do that too. That. And they have to be like, you know that sandwich? That was Ernest Hemingway's starter dough. And it was $150,000. Oh, can I sell it on eBay? <laughs> Crap. Tell me that before I have shoot it. Yeah, no, there's plenty, that in my pocket. there's plenty more. But you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. they're, they're actually doing something kind of good, which is what you're saying about my right. olive oil. Which is, I actually would go, if we're going to go pro the Pete that orders the olive oil, there is also, I'll take self-love where I can get it. I really think there's yeah. something dangerous to letting the voice the bad voice beat you down too much and if i can go if i think of my own body as a baby's body yeah and go like i love you i want to get you this special thing to show you that i love you as opposed to we were just talking val and i were talking about joe rogan's tame your inner bitch that's like like beating yourself up it's like don't let yourself be a fucking loser and i understand that that's an energy that might be necessary in extreme sports yeah and and certainly he's lifting more than i am over here being gentle to myself he's also a homeopathic gossip who is fond of calling others bitches which is (laughs) (laughs) but whatever homeopathic gossip (laughs) what is the homeopathic mean you mean like he does weird medicines yeah you know supplement peddler who (laughs) has a bit of motivated reasoning and then is also like into whatever weird 
conspiracy stuff, which is like any gossip magazine at the counter of any grocery store is like the wow. sort of stuff. I do you... sometimes get that feeling that I'm like, nothing's changing. Like yeah. we are just somebody explained to me that they were like Rogan is like all of the internet in one place. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's Chris Thayer. He was like, if you look at the main things we're looking for on the internet, conspiracy theories, uh, yeah. you just mentioned gossip, self-help, it's all in, or you could say, if you're going for like a popular thing, that that's very smart. You're like, I don't I, think I he mean, did I don't think purpose. he's consciously doing it. I mean, I, I wrote him early on. Uh, I mean, about it. he gets a million messages from people and everything. I, I have, I, no, I did not take it personally that he doesn't respond to my DMs necessarily, but I... One gave him some suggestions for some good people to get a hold of that mm. aren't charlatans attention seeking. Mm. And then two, I said the same thing that I tell the anyone regarding COVID and uh, to avoid confirmation bias, which is uh, get a hold of your local university. It's random or point randomly on a map anywhere in the U.S. Mm. And look up a virologist, immunologist, epidemiologist randomly, get a hold of them and see what they think about vaccines. See if they've taken one themselves, which they have, I promise you. Mm. 1,000, if you get a hold of 1,000 random epidemiologists, 999 of them, you could say they're persuaded by money or whatever else. That doesn't mean that they would take something that they think is dangerous mm. themselves personally. And mm. they'll do that in a lie detector. But you can take the one guy that has incentive to, you know, get on an incredibly successful podcast and change their life forever and, mm. and pedal homeopathic remedies and stuff like it's happened in every pandemic. There's been snake oil salesmen and stuff and it's it's a i think it's a little bit uh i think it's more than a little bit dangerous actually but uh but yeah it's it's i mean this is this is part of the problem with uh with the internet too is we assume that we know more than we do because we have access the to mineral, knowledge the mineral the mineral the so mineral. we we over we confuse the ability to know with having knowledge. Mm. That, I mean, there's been a lot of showstoppers in this, but that's another one. And then, yeah. yeah. And, and it's just a flaw in our biology. It's like what we do. It's like what our brain. And then we're does. constantly justifying ourselves to ourselves and looking to validate our own, yeah. our own inner experience and, and yes, everything else. That and, goes back to, again, I'm not trying to spiritualize this, but Byron Katie, one of my, great teachers in in the spiritual world is always asking you to question your, your thoughts. Yeah. And I caught myself, I, I can be a little too hard on my parents. I'll be the first to concede that it's this overreaction that I have. I, I, it's often like you're trying to control me or something, or you're trying to revert me back into who I was when I was 10. Um, and that's not always true. And it's, and it was her, her book, which is called loving what is you have the thought like, it might be a thought like, um, my parents are trying to control me. And then you just stop and you go, is it true? Do you absolutely know it's true? Yeah. How do you feel when you believe it's true? How do you feel if you didn't believe it was true? And how is the opposite true? Yeah. It's yeah, this yeah. really, it, it actually, now that I say it, it doesn't sound that spiritual. It's literally just consciousness of thoughts. It's trying to 
it's what you're doing is you're saying let's point at the map randomly and five 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 epididymologists and and see if they believe in my uh, thought. And one of the most important things right there at the end, which which a lot of uh, a lot of belief systems and this just isn't intuitive, is it makes it falsifiable. Mm-hmm. It goes if this isn't true. What does that look like? Which is exactly that's that's like the cornerstone of the scientific mm. method. You know, if this isn't true, what does that look like? How would you falsify that? Mm. So you can't. So take something that is like perfectly reasonable, like say I will not <laughs> a lab leak hypothesis, right? What's a lab leak? Uh, the, the the idea that COVID was leaked from a lab. Okay. Uh, Perfectly possible. Things have leaked from labs before. There's, you know, there's it. It it's happened. It's you know, there's a reason why we have masks and protective equipment. It's because at one point we did not. You know, there mm-hmm. there's we we learn over time. So it's perfectly reasonable. So so this is so this is a big thing in the conspiracy community. Is you find like these little anchors of of like potential truth and then use that to expand and so distrust. And so one, if, if that were true, that at least from one, you, you should be more worried about it, not in denial of it or, or whatever. You should be more concerned about what's happening, but it, so it seems like it's more motivated and let's just distrust these authorities. That's interesting. That takes me back to nine 11 conspiracy, which it's like, it wasn't uh, these men it was the government. And then it's like, well, that's actually, you should be more concerned. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I actually, as someone who enjoy, enjoyed or you know, back before it was really nuts, I was one of those people that was finding those videos yeah, and yeah. watching them and smoking pot and talking about, about them with my roommate. It actually made me feel less scared. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, you know, they, they did that sort of thing uh, in this war and that's, it's a false flag thing. And, right. And... It was like Waldo. They're not going to put Waldo in the same place on the next page. So I was like, we can relax. Yeah. It's not going to – like you'd be on a plane and you'd be like, they're not going to do it right away again. And it's also exciting. And then especially for comics, which is, look, we're we're like fairly uh, – we're, we're, we're like usually hair more, uh, you know, some natural intelligence, but without – formal education so not knowing like various basics of scientific mm. method mm-hmm. w- with a bit too much time on our hands mm-hmm. to do research without the background on how to do proper research and rewarded for novelty and intention getting mm-hmm. and that's a recipe for a lot of conspiracy peddling you're absolutely you know? right and then yep and and so so the the reason why falsifiability is important is say say the lab leak thing is true you go all right well let's bet i would i would bet i would happily bet someone like you know five thousand dollars which i'm not a rich that's a lot of money to me i would happily bet someone five thousand dollars that it's not lab leak it looks like it's not and geneticists i think will be able to prove that they can tell us how related we are to pterodactyls i'm pretty fucking sure that they'll track down the source which is probably uh horseshoe bats um uh, like that have caused uh, SARS and other pandemics. But anyhow. Wait, is there a theory that it's pterodactyl? 
And, no, I'm saying <laughs> Sorry, I, okay. I, I'm saying they can use they can use genetics to I like see. trace back. They can tell you how reptiles are just like a fun. Uh, they, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I could have said T Rex or anything yeah, else understand. or an amoeba for or some like reason. Anything else? Um, it was the, on my brain. The, but but the uh, the point is 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 so like all these conspiracy theorists were excited. They're like, see, the White House is investigating the lab leak thing, which is really just for show because of. Uh, like uh, political pressure because this was getting on on various you know Fox News and Rogan all, all these other shows, but so so you go okay well how do I win this bet and how do you win this bet if if you go there and and China says yep okay we figured it out this is a lab leak or the White House discovered this is a lab leak you win the bet. All right, I owe you five thousand dollars. Well, how do I win the bet if the White House goes there and says, "Oh no, it's conclusive. This isn't a lab leak." You just go, "Well, of course they're not going to admit to it." So there's absolutely right. no way of falsifying that belief. I see. So what it's you're a saying. one way. So it's an impossible. You, you either you, don't have. You built an impossible belief yeah. system, uh, one that cannot be uh, proved, uh, that cannot be unproved, it cannot right. be pu- falsified, and that's why I thought that was one of the most profound things of that that list that you said is yeah. thinking, if what I think is wrong, what does that that look like? What that's that an important like? question. And because she's in the business of your inner world, she says, "What does it feel like?" But then also, you go, "My parents aren't trying to control me." Yeah, and I, I did get a text recently that just felt. It's what we do to each other all the time. I'm just more sensitive to it with my parents. Yeah. It's like, this is who you are. Like I say to you, Shane, I go, got any DMT stories? What's that time travel? Like I'm, I'm kind of ping pong paddling you into who I like you to be. Yeah. And that is a manipulation. It's a friendly one and it's a benign one. Yeah. And I'm more sensitive with my parents because they're, they're the ones that raised me. But then so you go, if you stop yourself and go, my parents are trying to control me, who I am. They're trying to nudge me into a certain way of being. And then you stop and you go, well, what's the opposite and how is that true? You go, my parents aren't trying to control me. The evidence for that is overwhelming. Yeah. I live in Los Angeles, California. I talk to them once a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have so much more agency. It's a, And you see the insanity. Yeah. The yeah. literal insanity that you go – there, I, I had that feeling. I was like, my mother is boundaryless. She, she'll seep under a door to get me. And it's like, <laughs> you, you're thousands of miles away. You, like, everything I just yeah, said. Yeah, but yeah. like, you, you force yourself to argue the opposite, and you see that they have you so outgunned. And then you're sort of back to the kink. Like, do you want to think that there's something after you, yeah. so you can have something to like rage against, like a little, like a teenage kid. Like, get out of my room, Dad. Do you, like, enjoy that game? Yeah, yeah. Or, or you just enjoy scaring yourself? Or does that motivate you to be funnier or more creative if you think that your parents are always harsh in your buzz, man? It's like, right. do you think that'll make you funnier? Yeah, I mean, that's the trick. All of these things have so much utility in some ways and then do us a disservice in others. Of course, I mean, theory of mind, the idea that we're able to relate to one another, the the idea that... Like I can cater how I talk to what I know, like conversations we've had in the past, what I know will resonate with you a bit more. And that's a really useful skill and understanding one another, having a social relationship, everything else. And then it goes so far as to the, the downside of it is 
Like we make up straw men and stuff. All the, like it's one of my favorite fucking things to do is to I saw some relative or something I don't see eye to eye with and I'm driving back and I'm just rehearsing a conversation that and they're sitting the imaginary them is in the passenger seat and mm-hmm. they're just making the dumbest points and I'm just mm-hmm. schooling them just making the most genius po- like how did this imaginary version of this person how could they be so dumb this thing that I just, <laughs> words I just you're talking to yourself mouth. and you're like, you idiot, you it's so, dumb dumb. It's so amazing. That's that the other part of it that. is like they're so much more complex. The The arrogance that you could know what they were trying to do with that text yeah. is absurd. Yeah, I don't know what I'm doing when I'm texting people. We're back into the subconscious and the yeah. infinite potential of the subconscious and why – we do anything, Pangea. And there's hair and, on my face. And then there's like issues of of control and stuff that are big, you know, right now. Everyone's very concerned about control. We're, uh, pandemics bring about a, a time of the lack of predictability and lack of control. And there's a lot of push and pull with ma- various mandates and various uh, things that are, uh, it, you know, like. Be, be, during tuberculosis, people before tuberculosis, people used to spit and not just spit in the street. Like I would spit on your floor right now. Like people just really people. It was not uncommon for people to just hawk loogies like on the subway so much that there'd just be pools of lugs collecting <laughs> Lug pools? and women women wear wore long dresses that would just be mopping up people's fucking lo- they had to do incentive program when they had to they this had to rough. they had to have laws against spitting then they had to do incentive programs well that, that explains like, al capone they used to arrest him for spitting on the sidewalk and then they yeah and then they'd give people like little boxes to spit in or to like and then burn it afterwards you know you can still spit, spit and this in is a why hankies like hankies were like the last exactly my dad would have a handkerchief and i still thought that was weird but it was it, it was, was a, a carryover from the loogie box and they had to be like hey if you if you swear that you haven't spit on the street for a month and you get a tuberculosis test, which people were averse to and had like, a, you know, thought was a conspiracy, everything else. You'll get to drive. You'll get to do a test ride in a Model T. Oh, <laughs> That's the sort of God. things that they did. For, so these these are things that will that happen during this pandemic. They've happened in every pandemic. They'll happen in future pandemics, which will probably, you know, there'll be more around the corner. Uh, there's been like five this, this century. Is... But yes, but there's but uh, but this le- lack of uh, predictability and control. People need control so much, and and it's funny because in terms of you're talking with your parents or whatever, everyone wants to. They give people surveys. They go, they go. Would you, would you rather? I'll I'll ask you. Would you rather uh, feel everything, but have no agency? Um, or would you rather be in complete control, but not feel anything? Just like you know, an automaton. I would do the first one. You do the first one. Everyone does, and then they ask people, "Would you like everyone else to have full agency over themselves with no feeling, or would you like 
no one to have any agency over themselves, but have a rich uh, internal experience. And people are like, I want everyone else to be in fucking control of themselves. I want want everyone else to be zombie. I don't give a fuck what they're feeling i don't want you basically want to be in west lunatics yeah. <laughs> yeah you want to go around and everyone is a robot except you and, yeah but you get to have an orgy at well, we want agency for ourselves control for others it's it's a natural there's a lot happening in this free podcast <laughs> this is free to listen to and download feel free to drop me a comment in my instagram that i say, that I say mm-hmm too much that was <laughs> You know what I did after I, I read that comment? It was on the Chris Martin and someone was like, you say wow too much. And I just, I, I uninstalled Instagram. I was like, I'm out. I'm out. It's, I'm done. I can't. You say wow too much? Wow. There is the... I'm sorry. <laughs> People listen in different ways. I'm hosting a podcast. This is them posing a appreciating new information. That's right. I mean, there is like, imagine, imagine someone who was... There is, like, you're good at appreciating, and we're talking about resets and and like uh, you know gratitude and uh, and chasing epiphanies and reappreciating, ma- making the old new again. Those sorts of things are all wonderful things to. Pre- but all at the same time, there's like reasons why we have ha- habits and take things for. Can you imagine if uh, you, you know, uh, Leela probably walks right? Mm-hmm. Like the expression on her face when she first walked yeah i imagine was incredible yeah i imagine if you still walked around yes. like that every time every time oh, oh. <laughs> that's incredible <laughs> just like just just the person who's lost in awe constantly yes. like yes. my friend shane's coming over don't mind him he, he is blown away by it. you'll see you'll see literally everything he'll be on the carpet touching stuff it's like he's just flipping out elbows how do these things bend are you kidding me it's amazing we have arms (laughs) i love that and this this is why we're back to weed and we're full circle sometimes if i smoke weed i go i can't believe i can send a signal and move this thing <laughs> like the most basic thing does become the most amazing thing and yeah. that's kind of what's fun about them yeah. and by the way it is not i didn't mean to end the riff the riff was so fun <laughs> but like this is fucking insane Here, is. here's an epiphany i had recently where i was like and again it's a spiritual one but but i'll see what you take from it i was very interested when i was talking to you i was like when you're in a DMT verse, is it your? Do you have a body? And you said it's like a CGI version of your body. Yeah, I, that that changes. That's DMT is first off, it's super unpredictable, and there will be like five running themes, and not that I experience every time, but that I that have reoccurred. Mm. And then, and then, like lots more mixed bags, mm-hmm. and sometimes it feels like I'm watching a movie, you know, mm-hmm. which is like that never did much for me. I'm like, ah, it's just a hallucination, you know. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes it's panoramic, um, which is uh, feels deeper. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's such a special experience because everyone. Everyone dreams, but when you dream, you have a body and you have eyes and are, you know, seeing in front of you. But 
to yeah, have a full panoramic experience yeah. is yeah. Uh, so what did you say? I was going to say, and sometimes it's third person. You dream that you're looking at yourself. Yeah, and then, but I know what you're talking about. I've had dreams where I've gone, wait, if I'm dreaming, then why I shouldn't be seeing in front of me? I should be able to see behind me as well. You're like, so good at dreaming. No, I'm You've not. talked to me about yeah, this. We yeah. have chatted about it, but that is a that is a great. You Richard, can do that then. I have very, very vague memories because once you do something that incredible, yeah. you wake up. Like, yeah, it's, yeah. And even if you just realize that you could do something that incredible, usually the adrenaline of that is enough to wake you up. But if you think about it in your dream, there's no reason you can do it just when you're imagining with your eyes closed. You you still see your thoughts in front of you, but you're like, but I'm not seeing my thoughts. Like you close your eyes and picture a lemon. It's in front of you, right? Yeah. But you could just as easily just, it's like a visualization exercise. Just move that lemon behind you uh-huh. and now put a lemon in front of you and behind you. Like get a sense of the space. Yeah. This is the type of curiosity I'm trying to increase. Yeah. How close can you zoom in on that lemon? Can you see the pores on the lemon? Can yeah. you put it so you are the lemon? Can you become the lemon? <laughs> and this I'll is what you can do the lemon. Yeah. better in a dream. You yeah, can do that better yeah. in a dream. So, but you so DM, DMT, yeah, I mean, to answer your, I'm sorry for such a boring answer, but not at some, all. Sometimes, what? <laughs> sometimes a body, but, but, but then o- I, other times, definitely not. Like, and, and like the purple woman that I, I've talked about or whatever, that was always, that was always the interesting thing to me was of, of the reoccurring things. That was the one that I tended to remember the most. And she, I w- when I would see her always, when she was going away, we'd both like get sad, and then to cheer me up, she would spin around and explode into just all of uh, these fractals and stuff, and kind of just become the universe. But then it would also become me. It would also become the entire existence. Mm-hmm. So it'd be like, wait, am I all of it, or am I in her head? Or mm. that's always the confusing thing of the duality of it for me. It's like, what, what is? Well, it's not separate. It's just like if you're dreaming, you're you are the lemon. That's right. You're the, the and and that's that's the really that's the strange thing to tease apart in the DMT space, especially. Well, if you want to really really bake your nude, this is my favorite way to bake my nude. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna text you just bake once in nude. a while from now, uh, like. Hey man, can you bake my nude real quick? I'm I'm like I'm, feeling, I'm having a rough day. Feeling rather ordinary today. <laughs> okay. Well, you know what I think is funny is most um, follow me on this one. I, it's not that hard to follow. Most religious traditions, including the TV show Watchmen, which is basically about the uh, the divine playing a game of elective amnesia so that it can experience love and loss and fear and joy and all uh, yeah. those things, but uh, also look to any so many hindu stories and whatever and christian and the christian tradition most of it is that there is something called the divine indwelling we, we could call it awareness or consciousness but most religious people would have no problem including myself believing that there's a drop of water in you and god or whatever you want to call it is the ocean so the collective of all of it is the ocean it's bigger than us it's more powerful and you're just a drop of it but that's what's beating your heart that's what's breathing you. That's what's keeping everything together. You have a little piece of God inside of you. Mm. But then the next step is pretty easy. You go, God is infinite. And we all sort of agree that it's outside of time and it's infinite. And then we were, we were just, this is what bakes my nude. 
even a small piece of infinity, so a small piece of infinity is in you, like the infinity stones in the Avengers. Mm -hmm. It's me, but it's not me. I don't quite understand it. He's talking about the soul. So you have a little piece of infinity in you, but a little piece of infinity is infinity. Mm. That's what infinity is. So you going like, am I in her mind? Am I here? It's like... Does that make sense? Does yeah, that connect? yeah, it does. I, I, I've always, I have such a hard time conceptualizing it. This is actually one of, one of Ramin and I's. We we did a someone else's podcast recently, and they asked us what we have disagreements about mm. because the the show Ramin's a great artist on Instagram, and he has he interviews mystics for his podcast. I interview scientists, so scientists. we kind of play that up because really we're like. I mean, like you and I, it's like it's like imagining we have some dichotomy between us. And we want to lean into that for marketing. You know, I don't know. We're just buds that have good conversations and like maybe articulate things slightly differently. Different vocabulary. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, And but Ramin and I's sticky point is he doesn't believe that nothing is possible and. And I'm, he doesn't believe that there's anything such as nothingness. And it's not. That's so funny. I'm doing a bit about this currently. Keep going. I don't have a hard stance one way or another, but he has a hard stance that, that, that nothing can't exist. It can't exist. And I'm just like, but like zero works so you can't do math without zero it's in in the same way that we can't perceive you know 12 dimensions but you do the math and it just kind of makes the numbers work mm. so we infer from math that models everything else pretty well that there are mm. you know 12 dimensions or whatever please correct me in the instagram comments um, <laughs> Next to my wow wow <laughs> who listens to uh forget it. that was your takeaway stop but, saying wow but, but there's but uh, you know what my comment that's is the, that's start the thing. saying I, wow I guess, I guess i feel the same <laughs> way with infinity which is like i don't disagree or agree with that and i don't know exactly how to conceptual i i haven't i haven't put the um contemplative work into i know what you mean i had a scientist said to me once he goes i don't even know how to begin to tell you how you're wrong and that's oh i don't even think that you're wrong no i know i no, i don't think you think i'm wrong and i don't think you think ramin is wrong but somebody once said that to me yeah the way you're framing your question is so mired (laughs) with bias and all these different things that he's like it would take – basically, he was saying it would take 12 hours for me to even begin to answer your question uh, because you're coming in hot. Think about all of the uh, – all everything that – all of the evolution that built our intuitions, built it specifically with blind uh, – with blind spots that are that – are, the way that we evolved – made it very difficult for us to understand evolution. Wow. It, you know, it, it made it really hard to understand um like asymptomatic like invisible um mm. uh, complex dynamic systems with these inevitable emergent properties emergence from 
complex interactions that we don't have access to, like before we're not in the Mm -hmm. interesting city so we don't make use of that, is it's just easier to think that we have more agency over things and to think of things as like more top down. We make things and everything else and we we just kind of project ourselves onto Mm. other things and relate to stuff the way that we relate to things as well and so it's also so now we're we're we've built this world there where everything is like so fucking counterintuitive where earth is round where time doesn't work in a linear way where Mm. where all of all of these past things where things like do evolve and they pop up from nothing you didn't do anything wrong chaos actually exists Mm. you you know you 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 didn't do what you weren't behaving poorly and got cursed like shit happens and Mm -hmm. and that's it's so hard to wrap the head yeah, around. It just yeah. doesn't intuitively feel that way right. a lot of times. And that's hot cup, cold cup. That's yeah. the best thing about hot cup, cold cup is you are just projecting. That That's why casting is so interesting. It's like somebody doesn't get a part in a movie and it's because you look like the ex-boyfriend of the casting yeah, person yeah. or or whatever. Like. I, I was thinking about that. I was watching, I was reading The Lion King to one of Leela's friends, the book version, and the hyenas, they have all these like mean faces. And I was like, why are these mean faces? It's like really loaded, you know? Yeah, like, why yeah. do, and they sort of look haggard. They yeah. sort of look like it's hard Scavengers. for them to get food. Yeah, they look, they're like, actually, they're not plump, they're not angelic, smiling. They're, they're like, they're thin and yeah. they need, Fuck, shit's been hard for them. Like, yeah, they're mean, but you're also like, they've yeah. had a really rough go. Especially, like, first off, hyenas are exceptional pack hunters. The military's tried to study them to figure out how to, like, <laughs> move their true. tanks about in different ways and stuff. And, and, and they're, they're really good. It's just that lions are bullies. The hyenas get the catch and then lions bully them out of it. And t- they're the actual scavengers uh, this is not, a real i am legend sort of uh, and, uh, yeah, situation not, <laughs> not to mention lions are fucking assholes and 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 hyenas are like uh they 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 should reframe like they did with wicked or whatever they should do a different lion king because the uh, hyenas females are are in charge it'd be perfect for a modern era mm. females are like the alphas or alpha's not really a thing but uh it's that's like a it's kind of like a sort of a misunderstanding of like what's actually in charge and leader there's mm. usually collective things going on within a and and the alpha is like usually last to know when to run or whatever <laughs> else it's just like you know like yeah all right this this guy will be the one that mates or whatever and it's, it doesn't make a ton of decisions um but uh but yeah the, the hyenas are the female the, the hyena yeah they're they're the females are are kind of in charge. Well, they, I mean, they're assholes in a different way. They have strict matriarchies, and you're kind of born into you're born into dynasties and stuff like that. And, hmm. and but uh, we could do but it anyway. The Wicked Lion King. Yeah, you could do the Wicked. The Wicked Lion King would be would be interesting because also lions are like eating their. Uh, other e- people's e- eating, work eating the other uh, eating the other people's work and then they're also uh, they're you know the textbook example of infanticide is lions too they they often kill off the 
uh, if if a lion takes over a pride, kills kills off the the babies, uh, the, the babies of the uh, of the existing mothers, which then makes her ovulate. Like seeing her babies be eaten makes her ovulate because evolution's like, all right, time to get mating yeah. again. A chicken is a way for an just egg like to make another that. egg. It's fucking yeah, uh, awful and tragic. Yeah, lions are kind of assholes in a lot of ways. I'm pro hyena. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I could talk to you for nine more years. Uh, yeah, let's let's wrap up with this. We will talk. We can keep hanging after this, but this is enough of a podcast for today. Nine more years of me being on the show, and then that's it. We're and that's ca- it. We're well, you are the it. you're the most recurring guest. Oh, that's wonderful. Did you wonderful. know that? This is number I didn't six. Know, I didn't know I, if I still five. was. Five? I think it's five. Nobody's near five. Nobody's uh, near five. Oh, thank you. You're the, uh, you're the Alec Baldwin of my SNL. <laughs> oh, or the Steve Martin. Um, oh. Well, do, you don't have that's to because it is, this is number five. You've done it four other times, so you've had to answer this question four other times. But can you think of a time? What made you laugh so hard? Just the absurdity? Like I, no, that, that I get like this executive class privilege. Yeah. Like I get the, You're in the diamond I get club the, now. I get to go in the <laughs> Admiral's Club. Yeah. I, you I can use the, the sauna. <laughs> <laughs> You're the only guest that gets to use the sauna. Um, I should give you a gift or something. You you should have some of the earthquake food, which I'm pretty sure has gone bad by now. Um, Do you have a good, in the past year or or two, do you have a good hard laugh story? Is there a time you can think of, maybe with Ramin, maybe uh, in Wisconsin, blowing up (laughs) mailboxes again? Uh, Or, oh boy... Um, Maybe there's one that comes up from your childhood. Is there a time when you laugh? Oh, one really that makes hard? me laugh. A or time just in your laugh really in your funny. life where you laughed really, really hard, and it doesn't have to make us laugh. You already told one at the beginning I mean, of the show. I mean, for like Ramin's a Ramin's a special. Be- he makes me it, like you know. It, well, it's like, it's like you and you and I. It's like you know you just relate with certain people on a certain level, or you have like different friends that you have inside jokes with and stuff and it's like i'll probably laugh harder at ramin stuff than any listener mm-hmm. be just because he just hits me yeah in uh in a certain way and he has so if you go so the the premise of the show is i look through all of his art that's like a lot of mindfulness stuff mm-hmm. and then uh and then uh, I think of like sciencey ideas that it makes me think of, and I put together an outline and kind of like give him a lecture that he like interrupts and gets me off track, and then we make a piece of art based on the conversation or come up with an idea. He makes it, but you don't want me making it. And he had so if you go through Instagram, we also have like fun video highlights and stuff as well. Uh, so there's one that has Tetris um, uh, blocks, and it's it's I don't remember quite exactly what it says but he went on this this really great profound riff which was as i was talking about um you're like oh i want to impact that the thing about time Mm -hmm. and trying trying to accrue enough time get enough stuff done with your time so that you get free time and that's like it's all a very odd relationship that never Mm is very modern Mm -hmm. and Every book tells you how to do this better and stuff. So, if well, I use my time to do something I hate long enough, I'll get 
time where I don't have to do anything. Yeah, R- Ramin has uh, uh, Ramin went on a riff that's in the highlight on Instagram. That's about how he goes. You just got to. I think about this all the time. He he says I'm going to do a disservice, but he talks about how you just have to get used to life just being Tetris blocks coming down all the time and they're not going to always fit perfectly mm. and you're making the best of, of them as you can at the time and then and then he like took a moment and then he's like oh and it gets faster too he's like they must have thought of that like oh as they were God. making because time the does game. faster the longer you go <laughs> and then he did this russian impression that's so incredible that's like and and the faster it, it, it and the longer it goes the harder it gets and in the end you die you you die no matter how perfectly you played oh my god you forever change where's waldo <laughs> You forever change any time someone hands me a cup in an elevator, <laughs> and now you forever and permanently change Tetris. Because that, by the way, yeah. synchronicity, you were saying when human beings say things that are truer than they realize, yeah. Tetris is absolutely oh, one of those man. things that, that resonated in a way. Like, it does feel like life. Yeah. And even the losing, no matter how perfectly you play, and the speeding up. And how occasionally things just go perfectly. And then sometimes you get that fucking uh, the T-shaped one when you didn't need the T-shaped one. It's so good. That and dude knows how to make a metaphor. That's a great metaphor. I can, I can and pull Russia knows abstracts, how to make endless scientific abstracts out of my mind that apply to different situations yes. and weave them around in a story. Yes. But Ramin knows how to make the most insane metaphors well, I've ever visual, heard. Like, like Albert just, Einstein. Yeah, yeah. And wearing his plaid yeah. and his stripes, which he are had, binding the universe. He had, we did a movies one recently to like lighten the mood a little bit. And he had one, uh, I, I know I, I, you'll enjoy it. So you do a good Arnold impression. <laughs> um, but we were talking about movies that changed or uh, were impactful in our childhood mm-hmm. and Terminator and Terminator 2. And he was talking about John Connor yeah. teaching Arnold like the hip slang yeah, of yeah, the yeah. day. And he's yeah, like, yeah. they got to do the next one. With Gen Z slang. Yes. <laughs> he, goes, he had a bunch of good examples, but then he goes... That is extra. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This whole scene is a vibe. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Uh, that dude cracks me up. I'm going to throw one out now because I've earned it. Wow. <laughs> Shane, I loved having you on. Uh, every I time you, my friend. I want to give you this specific compliment is every time I talk with you, I am more plugged in to my experience, like I'm more aware of it. Like the Waldo, like the, really? all the intricacies. That's such yeah, a compliment. You bring me into a frequency where I'm just like, and I told you I, I was having a rough morning for some reason, just feeling behind the eight ball. And now I'm just kind of like, don't you see it's all a game, man? Just got to sneeze it off, man. That's right. You've helped me sneeze today. <laughs> and that's a real gift. And I hope people listening got a good sneeze. Katie, you were in the bathroom, but he, whenever he sneezes, he resets. So, Shane, <laughs> yeah. this is your number five Keep It Crispy. This is like my biggest credit. My God. It's, <laughs> isn't that crazy? Well, when you do your show 
if it happens, you'll come back and I think promote it's going it. to happen. I'll That's tell great. you about it afterwards. I'm pretty excited. It's great. Yeah, yeah. I'm stoked. And would you say keep it crispy for the fifth time? Of course. Keep it crispy. <laughs> now say it like someone's impression of you. <laughs> I'm so bad at impressions. It's of you, though. Uh, keep it crispy. I can't. I think it would be. Yeah, can that's you unfair. Can I you thought, do, can you keep do? it crispy. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Except now you sort of look like Richard Branson, which is awesome. Oh, do I? Yeah, I've you look like you own Virgin America. Really? Yeah, you do. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I've been looking at you for three hours, but it was hour three I've been that I like was like. Vibes and no, stuff no, no, you look like people. a definite guy that's like, I microdose DMT. <laughs> I do microdose DMT. Highly recommend it. I'm not about microdosing, generally speaking, but it, I'm a little skeptical of consistently altering the chemical balance of your yeah. mind with anything but dmt um but dmt huh so pleasant it's for you microdosing i've heard that is really, i've heard it turns really, reality into legos like you don't even need to get there necessarily it just like gives everything a little glimmer for yeah. like uh 10 20 minutes and just like oh all like, right i feel terrific I like, I like that very much yeah. all right shane let's get out of here all right thanks cheers. pal Cheers, that's what Richard Branson would say. Uh. <laughs>